lot to get into today. There's a lot to discuss. It's the New Blood Rising podcast. We're in Season 5, From Sting to Hogan. We're going to be covering this week Clash of the Champions 16. I'm William Rankin, joined by Jason Kiesler. How's it going, everybody? Charlie Stabile. Doth Madiende. And uh, so it's, it is really important because we had talked about the Cena match with The Undertaker WrestleMania because that was this really nice you know, inclusion to our previous season, which was looking at The Undertaker and all his WrestleMania matches. Well, this isn't necessarily WrestleMania related, but we talk about The Undertaker so much, this definitely bears mention. With all the stuff that's going on, not just with his storyline with Glenn and with Paul and with Hickenbottom, but also in the greater scheme, like this. <laughs> Which way are we looking, Sean? Oh, Which, where's the camera? Who do I tell to suck it? <laughs> All right. But uh, also, this thing that's going on, like, who would have thought the WWE would be in the middle of a political fiasco? But, hey, welcome to 2018. It's Donald Trump's America now, folks. So, where do you want... It's where, his yard. Should we start with? Do you want to start with Taker? Like, should we start with where the the Australia yeah, show? I think we should close with Saudi Arabia. Okay, so that's been building up for a while. To, to quick, just to quickly kind of get into this because you and I talked on the phone pretty extensively about it. And I don't want to necessarily hit all those beats, although they were really good. They were funny <laughs> Com- beats. They were good conversation pieces. But at the same time, it's like we we weren't sure what we were going to get because we we were maybe thinking that the Undertaker's now transitioned to being this semi squash match worker like i'm gonna just work a bunch of glorified squash matches on big events and you know Ellsworth. you know you're gonna get the you know head uh, uh snake eyes big boot old school choke slam you've seen it before it's five moves to do yeah it's really becoming his <laughs> old school sorry i graduated i can't do it anymore the build-up to uh super showdown was like <clears throat> redoing end of an era and you guys are feel free to chime in with what you thought about the build. I watched parts of it. I recapped most of it before we got on the show. It just was going through, it and I thought it was just this hilarious thing where they they actually literally bring up the twenty eight ending, but he's saying you know Triple H you've gone corporate, but he actually been corporate in in WrestleMania twenty eight because that was the whole taking the suit, you <laughs> dummy, big idiot, stupid dummy. <laughs> but but no, <laughs> just came out and said I didn't sell out. I bought in, Dad. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. Like it's I didn't know what to think of it. So by the time we got to the match, it was like, well, so how's this gonna go? Because Taker's owned him for like two decades. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's like Triple H is probably gonna win, but at the same time, the back around is like, well, under, is Undertaker really gonna lose at this point? Like this is kind of the send off, right? And then the match happens, and it turns out we're not gonna get seven minutes. We're gonna get like forty seven minutes. It feels like. And Jason, just to kind of start with your thoughts, what did you think? of the Super Showdown match with Triple H? Um, it was long. Like, unnecessarily long. You know, and, and, and I'm not saying that to be like a negative. Uh, it's just, you know, you get these two guys and these people in Australia, you know, oh man, we're going to get to see Undertaker and Triple H. They figured let, we're going to get the highlights and then somebody's going to pin each other. Hooray. No, it was like a full blow. This was like the the match for the last match in a feud, where it's there's so much crap just kind of quasi ends of storylines culminating, even though there wasn't like Glenn was literally there to take that table bump. Um, still, you know, it's like, yeah, dude, he's still there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I will say this, like to keep Glenn being the the savvy person he is. It's really funny that I'm you sure have not he called got... him Kane. Yet. <laughs> I almost dropped Glenn in my notes just now. Sorry, Jason. Go ahead. I just I didn't realize it. Oh, it, it the is, big red it, monster. It, it, the reason Glenn. Why... Yeah, Glenn. Mayor Glenn. <laughs> it's just, uh, just like see no evil. <laughs> now, but but he's. You know, like he got, I'm sure he got paid, but they made a big deal about they donated like $100,000 to some community center or something in the county he's the mayor of. So, I mean, like, so that people can't be like, oh, he's, he's just, you know, he can't be mayor and a wrestler who goes to Australia to wrestle, um, which is like the worst Fox 90 sitcom premise ever. Um, but like, then the, the Shawn Michaels out there teasing everybody constantly with Undertaker looking at him like, now, now what? And then you finally just get like the same old crap that we got at the end of the era match. And then it ends with, you know, here comes the sledgehammer. Triple H beats the shit out of Undertaker with sledgehammer, finally pins him, goes over it, shakes his hand, and everyone fucking hugs again. Like, no. And, and we'll talk about the, the post-post-match stuff, I guess, in a second, but like it was stupid. Like just, I'm tired of these. Oh, I have so much respect for Triple H. I love oh, yeah. let him it. cheat to beat me, and then because <clears throat> yeah. it really it. it really does lead off like like he changes the rules of the match. Yes. before it starts, he's like he has this look like I did, I it. did it. I did it. And you're right. Uh, now no qualification match. I mean, I would have been perfectly fine. If, I mean, if Hunter never beat Taker. Right. That would be great. It would. It's all. I think it's good to have someone in your career that you never beat. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt with The Rock, Austin. I I didn't agree with him losing. I but whatever. It's fine. It, it's a great match. It's a great match. That's a great match. This this on the other hand, like like um, the I'll, I will say I'm gonna start off with one good thing I saw out of it, and then I just what I liked how they redid the Hell's Gate spot. Yes. Except this time he tried to choke him with it instead of hit him with it. That was something at least different mm-hmm. that they hadn't done in any of their other matches. I was like, okay, pretty cool. What were your thoughts on the match? Well, um, I think I was like, I think it was seven or eight in the morning when you texted me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I had no idea that it match just finished. Had been the, like that morning. Yeah. And I was like, oh, sh- oh I guess I need to go watch that. And because uh, I didn't see any of the buildup for it, but I, so I watched that video package, and I was really just kind of fascinated because the one thing that the they did in the buildup that they didn't do during the Mania matches was talk about the history, and and, and boy howdy do they, Michael Cole like brings up every match I think they've ever had. They're like, oh, do you remember when they when they fought on the South Pacific or they fought the Grady Cup? Fought, like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were at the Waterbury Open. <laughs> Do you remember when Undertaker tombstoned Hunter or Hunter Hearst Helmsley on the escalator yeah. during a shotgun Saturday night? They brought up everything, and it was like, God damn it, we just wanted them to bring up WrestleMania 17. Right. That's all we wanted. Right. And and Michael Cole even brings up this weird fact. Uh, what was it? Uh, Triple H has not beaten The Undertaker since October 19th, 1998. or like, he... 1919. <laughs> all quiet on the Western Front, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> and suck it and stuff. <laughs> which, which I never knew Triple H had ever beaten him. So, but so the match, it's an ODQ match. So we're basically getting 
the, the, the 27 match again, because uh, that's the same rules. It just has Kane and Shawn at ringside. And this... Because, yeah, it's like, is, is Undertaker going to wrestle a squash match, or is this going to be, like, a match match? This is basically the exact same WrestleMania match he's been having since probably 24, and yet it, it, it just wasn't good. It wasn't fun to watch this. Uh, I, I will always remember... Undertaker trying to backdrop Triple H oh. on a guardrail, and Triple H just kind of and just kind of. And Mark, this ain't mania. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. So the guardrail, like he kind of uses it to break his fall, and then it's like, okay, just move on. And then Corey Graves. Well, I think he was trying to backdrop him on the guardrail. That's a segue. Let's get into this commentary real quick. Oh man, because oh, it is brutal. You keep forgetting Renee Young is there. Until she chimes in like once every five minutes to say something really stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, what was that one comment she had that... Oh, she did have a fantastic one about The Undertaker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you, you... She's like, Undertaker looks in rough shape. And like, you have no idea, ma'am. <laughs> Can I go home, Vinny? That's the... Can I go home? The look on his face the whole match, his motivation looks like, I just want to go home. <laughs> they, they copy the spot. Where uh, he tombstone Sean at 25, and I just had an out-of-body experience. They copy that by zooming in on Taker, resting on Triple H. It's not the same, though. It's, it's just He just looks exhausted. Commentary acts like it's the first time the Undertaker has been unable to pin Triple H yes. to the tombstone. I can't believe this. I'm like, this is so old and so cliche. Why don't you lean into it? So, yeah. See, I knew it. Yeah. There's He's no gonna way. kick out. That's He's... not gonna be enough. Yeah. Yeah. See, that why why been... can't they do that? But yeah. That's a great point. Sean is unbearable <laughs> in this match. Because um, I remember last season you really harped on it during the WrestleMania 28 match. It doesn't bother me so much. It really bothers me now with it. No. No, you, you he can't won't do stay it. out of the ring. No, he won't. And and every time Taker gets him, I'm I'm excited. Uh, just just shut up. There's that one where he wallops him, and it looks like he's like, you're this close. Oh, yeah, that's right. You are this. You were this close to me ripping your fucking head off <laughs> and shitting down your neck. Because we were like, what is he this close to? God likes me more than he likes you, Sean. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> wow. Oh, God. And then, so go, go, go ahead, Jason. I was going to say that the, this had the same problem that the uh, John Cena Miz match had at was that 27? 27, yes. Uh, we were there. You knew, like, there was no drama because The Rock hadn't come out yet. And, like, uh, the, just Sean had not really done anything yet. And or Taker had not got his hands on Sean. So it, instead of it being, you know, it that didn't really add anything to it. If Sean would have shown up, if, like, none of that had been announced and... You know, Undertaker's about to beat Triple H. He's giving him, like, the eighth fucking tombstone on top of the steel stairs that are also on top of the announce table and still can't pin him. And then Shawn Michaels' music comes on. That would have been something. But having having someone out there, just really, because you're just waiting on them to do something. Shawn, like, yeah, I hadn't watched wrestling in a while, and I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with him. Because he's got that hat on, and he's got that bandana on, and I'm like, something doesn't look right. 
and but it's only a third of a bandana. Uh, he looks like new like. Like. <laughs> like I love the idea of an of a fifty three year old cross eyed sexy boy bald guy. Like we're waiting for him to come to the ring, and the first thing we hear is dun 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 dun, and it's this guy. Like it's just sad. It was just really sad. Just wait. Just wait till we see him in the chaps. Um, I, I wish he would redo his theme song with him now singing it. <laughs> but instead of, oh, it's no, no, no. I took Viagra. I got my protein. My testosterone levels just, are high. When they do this next match, I just want to see Marty Jannetty at ringside going, like, you're a fucking cunt. Oh, you're a fucking man. cunt, John. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, last thing I'll talk about with this match is um, Kane. Kane goes through a table and sells it like Roman Reigns. Uh, he just disappears from the match. And I love this, too, because I feel like somebody has to yell at him to wake up just so he can get up and then pull the referee out of the ring. And then he gets walloped again. And, all right, I'll just, I'll just sit here for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. And let, so, so, basically, this match is the same WrestleMania match that he had from 24 to 29. But it's just old and sad and sucky. Like it's just bad. And they redid the ending from twenty eight. They did do the re ending from twenty eight. And Triple H, I knew he'd win. I knew he'd get the W. And he wins and then treats the win like he did at thirty one with Sting. He hits Undertaker with the sledgehammer and then tries to shake his hand afterward, which just makes Triple H look like the biggest dick. Just hey man, it's all about respect. <laughs> And then he puts his head up in his business. business. Yeah, I love that yeah, phrase. Business. <laughs> and you pointed it out. I'll give you the credit. You're gonna look like a. Whoa! <laughs> I see your point. So, so when they all when they all raise each other's hands, Kane gets the short end of the stick, literally, and is stuck standing next to Shawn Michaels. And Kane's hand just just kind of looks like like he's like he's. Looks like you could like Photoshop a lantern in, <laughs> into his hand. We're here. We're yeah. here. <sighs> Best part is Kane is like. Okay, Kane is looking over at the Undertaker the entire time. We gonna turn on him now? Are we, <laughs> we gonna go now? <laughs> He, he doesn't look. It's like his first time. Yeah. His first time wrestling. Glenn like, when do I betray him? He doesn't look interested in doing this, really. No, nope. I don't blame. He probably is jet lagged. He's like, man, I got a legislation. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta take care of some stuff in Knox County. Mark, I'm a mayor now. You know, so I'm not gonna take care of is the hair on my chest. No, he, he doesn't even care about that anymore. No, no. So uh, five out of ten. Yeah, that's. A, I think that's pretty that's a safe. Five. The um. Is there, I'm trying to think, is there anything else I wanted to add? There's a couple of botchy things. Like the, at the the beginning of the match is the battle of the old schools. Yes. What what a narrative. Like, no, I'm going to do it. No, I want to do it. I never tried it. Look cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the game. Shake my hand. <laughs> I'm, I, I do your moves. I hit you with a sledgehammer, but it's all about respect. And I signed your paycheck. <laughs> That's I right. probably have something to do with that. No, but uh, um, I was going to say the best of luck spot we mentioned where. What was his thought of going oh. to the top rope when Undertaker, or I'm sorry, when Triple H was on the table? Yes. What was the plan? Tri I want to know this. Because if you haven't seen the match, it's uh, Triple H is on the table, but it's not like Taker's just going to the top rope. He's going to the top rope backwards. Like, he's climbing it. With, or is he still there? It's like the NWO revenge elbow. Like the, <laughs> oh, <best of> <laughs> That's a two count. 
and and then just the everyone getting really scared when he looks like he's gonna do the suicide dive. Like oh the, man! The planche. No, no, no! I like, everything everything in my house stopped. I was like, <laughs> no, no, you can't, you can't do it. And thank God, I can't remember what stops him. Taker keeps trying to kill himself. And he keeps getting stopped. I just, I just want to die, Benny. I'm just waiting for Kruger's fucking hand to come up and drag him under the ring. And Jason goes to yeah, hell. Yeah, Taker goes to hell. It's over with. <laughs> it's so if I, I think five out of ten is safe. Yeah. Like it's, it's. I love that we're rating this it's, match. It's, it's, it's pretty brutal, Jason. What would if you had to rate it real quick? What would you give it? Four out of ten. <laughs> I like that dramatic pause because I was worried. I was like, did it disconnect? Disconnect and then there it is. Um, yeah, in uh-huh. that, it, and so I Renee Young feet. <laughs> can we get some more refs out here? <laughs> yeah, she did say. Can we get some more refs out here? <laughs> I'm sorry, she sucks. Like, she <laughs> is awful. Like it, I think I, I don't think she's I don't think she's that bad. I think she's fed more, unfortunately, than than others because she's. Because when she's throwing her own stuff out there, it's pretty good. But you can hear that stuff that is obviously Vince's Vince's voice. I like the idea so. of Vince talking in her ear. Yeah. All right. That's what I want you to say. Yeah. <laughs> Puppies. Puppies. <laughs> Vienna sausage. <laughs> Pepperidge Farm. Are you familiar with the Howard Stern film, Private Parts, <laughs> Renee, I want you to t- PA speakers, turn the bass all the way up, and the treble all the way down. I want you to sit on it, and I'm going to say that you're fired, and you tell me if it makes you come. <laughs> That's Vince. It's with God now. <laughs> Keesler with a diamond cutter off the top rope. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think he was that bad. Huh? Yeah, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> I'm oh. trying to Hiroshima it so we can we can move on to the the night after promo. Yeah, because because it's bad. It's yeah. all right. So Jason, start us off. Talk about the promo on Raw. Okay, so Hunter and Sean come out and prance around, talk about how this idea of respect and the Undertaker a mountain. They do this whole mountain analogy, and then you get there and go, maybe the mountain wasn't a mountain at all. Then why the fuck were you trying to climb it for 28 years, you dumbass? <laughs> but still... Yeah. Then uh, then this whole thing... And they're, they're acting so indignant and talking about the disrespect after they, they did what they did to them when the match was over. You, motherfucker, you hit him with a sledgehammer. It's this whole thing <laughs> you, of just this... this <laughs> If they, you disrespected me, which you know, which would be great. It, I, it would be great if, if if this was Triple H being corporate Triple H, King of Kings Triple H, Authority Triple H. But this whole Sean, are you ready? I don't need to see fifty-year-old DX. I don't need to see that. You you hit a fifty-three-year-old man in a spooky Halloween costume with a sledgehammer. <laughs> Right. I think Matt when him and his mayor brother turned on you and your cross off bald headed front. What did I call him? HBK the head bald kid. The head bald kid. Yeah. Yeah. And head bald kid. It's not I'm not making fun of him for being bald. Not at all. Just like if you're going to do it, you've 
got to kind of acknowledge it. He's wearing <laughs> he's wearing the <laughs> no, bandana equivalent of a visor. He's wearing basically half a bandana. Yeah. Like that's that's what I don't get. He looks disinterested. I don't think he Sean looks, is he looks really, embarrassed. Yeah, I don't. It does not look as like I said on Twitter. Is it wrong of me for them to not to, to not want them to do the Saudi Arabia show just so that Sean can keep his retirement intact? Right. I really don't want him to do this. Yeah, um, that promo, like, and Jason, just uh, the thing I'll build on to then toss it to Charlie is that man, there are people selling out like this was like. This is like in the ballpark of like pipe bomb and like uh, like people were selling out like this was an awesome promo. It's like this is very overrated. Like I don't understand, and a lot of it comes from the reason you point out, Jason. It's like let's go back and look at what you did, dickhead. I mean, it's not yeah. like you were this white meat baby face taking on the Undertaker. I won with an inside cradle. It's like <laughs> you're an asshole. Yes. <clears throat> And yeah, yeah, okay. So and, and then Sean has to tell us about the the trials and tribulations of flying from Australia, right. <laughs> which, is, which I get that. Yeah, but Sh- Sean, you're not you're not full time. You know, you didn't have to do that. I'm sure, you weren't flying coach either, That's sir. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I I vaguely remember the mountain stuff. I wish I had. Uh, I think it was more that I, as I was watching this, I could just I was just feeling this sense of dread the whole time. That is this leading to something? Please don't let this lead to something. And then, here's what I don't get. If they're going to do this, if they're going to team up and, and, and have these... I th- at first I was like, okay, just just don't bring back DX. And then, we got two words for you! And I'm like... Do you like how they've incorporated this? Yeah! DX and the NWO and the click, it is officially all the same. It's the same shit, and we all know it. Like, if they want to make this feel personal... Like and, and and try to make it feel a little bit more serious than what we're usually accustomed to. Just don't bring back DX. You know, it's like, yeah, just because you two get back together doesn't mean we have to bring, you know, the merchandising into it because that's what it is. Right. Because they're going to sell a lot oh, of that neons, merch. All that. Remember the neon sticks? Yes, that, the neon sticks. Made... The stupid shirts. Remember when they got Hornswoggle in on it? I mean, DX is a huge moneymaker for them. And, it, I, and I don't want to see two guys over 50... Yeah. You know, telling people to suck it and wearing those shirts and hell, that that motherfucker's dead. The guy that sang their song. Yeah, yeah. You don't <laughs> Jesus, strike. Charlie. <laughs> but, like, that's I don't how think... old DX is. This guy didn't make it. I I know many people have said this, so it's it's this is not profound. I'm not tr- trying to make it profound by any way, but can you really be a degenerate when you're the authority? No, no, <laughs> no, no. It's totally true. Triple H cannot have it both ways. <laughs> And people say, well, he's got lots and it's, of personas. It's, too, it's unmatched. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It, it doesn't make sense for this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense for it to be DX against the Brothers of Destruction. Like, you can't go take over the production truck and draw chickens and make cock noises over a Triple H promo. Doesn't work. Right. Like, it, 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 the personalities clash. Like, you know, if it was... If they were going after Shawn Michaels, or sorry, Shawn, excuse me, John Cena, or like, you know... Someone else, it, maybe, but not. It just doesn't make sense to have DX against the Undertaker. Because when did DX ever really feud with the Undertaker? Ninety-seven. Never. Kind of. Kind of. Undertaker feud. They just happen to be going for the title at the right. same time. Right. It's basically what? the same way I feel about John Cena. He's an all-American hero when he needs to be. Triple H is a member of DX when he needs to be. You know, there's no storyline reason for it. Nothing really matters anymore. So it's just like, yeah, we'll just say he's in DX. Like yeah. that's fine. 
China's dead. Yeah. Like, like their DX will never be the same. It's it's, I need it's to hear too Walt, far gone. I, I know Waltman's got his pot. I've not heard his comments on. It. I'd be curious because he. I, I I enjoy listening to him talk about wrestling because he's him and Kevin Nash. I can listen to Kevin Nash talk about it. Yeah, all day. And he can deny things that we know are true. Absolutely. That's well, funny. I was the booker. But, uh, <laughs> but I wasn't the booker. But I wasn't the booker. <laughs> so, well, what I, is I, it? I won the match. <laughs> but, you know. But he wasn't a good worker. He wasn't a good worker. Uh, he says the same shit yeah. all the time, but it's great. So, right. let's segue into the bigger thing here. So, Jason, what are your thoughts on this whole, on Crown Jewel? Do you think it should? Do you think WWE should pull out of it because of the whole, the journalist that was murdered and the alleged ties that... Are looking less alleged and more it happened ties to Saudi Arabia. We're what are your thoughts podcast. on podcast? I know. <clears throat> well, thanks for turning this into Meet the Depressed uh, <laughs> Sunday Morning News Show. Yeah, uh, I think I think it would be a good idea. Maybe I mean I get you know they have that obligation because they have a contract. Um, and all these people are like, oh, you've got enough money. You've got enough money. It, it's more than just the money that they won't make from doing the, sh- the show. Then, you know, it, it's whatever lawsuit stuff they'll be pending to. Um, and, and then it could it could hurt them inter- with other international markets that don't have some of the same problems. I'm not I'm not one of the ones that, that are saying, oh, they're hypocritical of, oh, having this women's revolution and then going over to a country where women, you know, women are treated they are i mean you gotta start somewhere i mean they they did work to the point where you know what was it sasha and alexa bliss got to have the first female match in dubai or something like that so i mean you know they're 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 just the jesus christ it's wrestling you know why are we making it out like it's world changing something i mean like i don't think they should go if the, the government of a country is accused of murdering somebody because he was vocal about his criticism to them no but that's that that's just it I don't. I think. Well, long story short, maybe they should cut it off if the if the prince did have this motherfucker killed. The end for me. WWE likes to tout themselves as they say this every now and then. America's greatest export. They they used to say that, and and when they and they always make a big deal when they go into another country and the amount of business that they generate for the area. I watched that Saudi Arabia show and it was fucking painful. Because between every match, it was there was a propaganda piece about how great the nation is under this new leadership, and and I do think it is hypocritical of them not to do not, you know with doing the women's show, and because it just screams that they're just doing it for the money. But what are they getting? Fifty million a yeah. show? Like remember the rumors before that last one, where the uh, Greatest Royal Rumble, where they were talking about bringing in Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. and like they were getting major Hulk Hogan merchandise being brought in, like these. So, it's so dumb. They signed a 10-year contract with Saudi Arabia. Anything can happen in 10 years in that part of the world. Anything. And we ha- we're on the way to show number two. <laughs> and we already have a major problem. And I like the, the, the point that was brought up by somebody else on the Internet. I can't remember who it was, but it was basically uh, WWE is a private company. They can do whatever they want. That's fine. But Linda McMahon is in Trump's cabinet. You know where SmackDown 1000 is on Tuesday? Where? Washington. Yeah! Smack down your vote! I'm pretty sure it is. (laughs) So between the 10-year contract, depenseration acts, as I'm calling them, uh, working this show, I really do think they should seriously consider calling it off. When you have Lindsey Graham coming out and saying, oh, maybe I'll think about this, you know, that's doing, like, just that idiot. 
then there's a real problem. And I think it's something that they do need to consider. And the all-women pay-per-view, I'm sorry, I'll never take it seriously because the fact that it came out of this. Right. Out of what they're doing with Saudi Arabia. Yeah. They're basically having, like, three WrestleManias a year now when they include that Saudi Arabia right. show. They're getting way outside their box. Like, when I hear they're Triple totally H, like, oh, we're going to be, we're, we're trying to change the culture. Brother. You're pro-wrestling. Paul, like, I understand, your, pol- your politicking backstage is nothing compared to this level of no. politicking. Just stick to just... Just stick to pro wrestling. You're a pro wrestling company. Just stick to pro wrestling. And you're relying on the past because that's what they want. Like we joked in the car, like I kind of miss the days when oh, yeah. when it was all we had to worry about was hmm, they have this thing called a hoe train. <laughs> <laughs> and this Eugene fellow that may or may not be uh... Come here, Eugene. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Th- I, those are the days. I wonder if they're gonna be locked into the show must go on. It's like No. Is that true when it hasn't started yet? <laughs> so I don't know. But it's it's fascinating to talk about because I never thought we would have that's crazy we would have WWE on the political stage like this. But they just right. can't turn down the money. It's time now to get into what uh, what we normally do, which is talk about this season WCW right now in the year 1991. So uh, as always, we need to get some background on what's going on in the world of not just wrestling, but overall. Here we go. Um, this takes place September 5th, 1991, is when Clash of the Champions 16. We're, we're going to be coming not too far from us, Augusta, Georgia, home to the awesome uh, de- uh, 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 December to Dismember pay-per-view that we'd get years later. Yep, that's the one. Is this like a thing where we try to mention that pay-per-view in every episode? I, I think it may need to be, so we'll see. All right, favorite thing to start off with, number one movie in the U.S. I will be shocked if any of you get this. Number one movie in September 91. Love Potion number nine. Keep in mind, it's a four-day weekend. <laughs> what does that like, have to do? Yeah, that, it exactly. is. I know, like that means something. What a big Labor Day movie weekend we all hear about every year. Uh, 91, Labor Day. Uh, My Blue Heaven. Close. Really? My Girl? Very close. That, dead again. <laughs> what? <laughs> dead again. <laughs> oh, oh, that's awful. JP. You want to go for a bike ride, JP? You bastard. What is dead again? What is that? Is that Shelly Long? That's hello again. Oh. <laughs> when she dies in that one, that's hello again. All right. Number one song in the U.S. What is dead again? It's a movie. I don't fucking know. You don't know it? Okay. No, I don't. That's why I was hoping one of you would, like... Oh, yeah, I remember my that. first thought was Dead Alive, but it was Shelley Long's face on the Peter Jackson cover with the... <laughs> How you doing? Wow. He had clout before The Hobbit. <laughs> Number one song in the U.S. and the U.K. Can either one of you name it? Uh... Wait, this is Brian Adams. Everything I do, do it for you, right? Still? Keesler gets Dumb the W. Monster. With the elbow off the top rope, Keesler just finished you. Did Prince of Thieves just vanish from the box office? Because <laughs> this song's not going anywhere. This is here. Here's what's awesome. So I always love the Australia number one because you can always count on this to like kind of come out of left field. Can any any of you? Ninety one September number one song in the in Australia. Uh, it's not an NXS or Midnight Oil song, is it? No, black or uh, white. All right. 
No, it's epic by Faith No More. Whoa! <laughs> yeah! Jesus. Now we're talking. They have the great yesterday. taste. Yeah. Oh, it comes on the radio every well, day. No, no, no. We were in the car together and that song came on. It was like, yeah! Oh, it must be nice to hang out, you bastards. Oh, boy. WCW <laughs> heavyweight champion is Lex Luger. WCW US champion is The Stinger. The World, champ the World Tag Team Championship is vacant. And that's going to be decided tonight in an awesome tournament final. The IWGP World Tag Team Champions are still the Steiner Brothers. The six-man tag team champions are now Big Josh, Dustin Rhodes, and Tom Zink. Random, 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 go. <laughs> Alternate costume three. <laughs> WCW US Tag Team Champions are the Freebirds. There is an asterisk we'll, we'll talk about. I'll, we'll incorporate into the match that they have later. WCW Light Heavyweight Champion Tournament, still, that's vacant as well. We got a lot of stuff up in the air. Vacant is holding a lot of seats. And then finally, the World Television Champion is the Rattlesnake Stunning Steve Austin. <laughs> the Bionic Redneck from Hollywood, California. The Rattles. <laughs> the Rattles. <laughs> All right, so... Uh... <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> The WWF Heavyweight Champion is still Hulk Hogan. The, Inter <laughs> the Intercontinental Champion is Bret the Hitman Hart, having yes. won it at SummerSlam and also having won their titles at SummerSlam are the Legion of Doom, the WWF Tag Team that's Champions. really good. Uh, and that's about it on that front. So let's dive into this show. Here we go. As we said, it's September of 91. We're in Augusta, Georgia. A fairly involved video package. These are getting more and more involved. I will say I, I enjoy the fact that these guys really do keep uh, they keep trying we're building slowly building towards the modern video package to start a pay-per-view or a show like this whatever we got a battle royal we have title matches and a contract signing there's a lot going on in an hour and 53 minutes JR's got that creepy smile on full display <laughs> thank you this is a podcast so nobody can enjoy totally that like... I wish and Tony's like are we doing that we are doing it and uh, he seems a little put off that Tony's mic, I think, is higher in volume than his. It does seem like JR's like, hey, what's going on here, Jan? <laughs> they shoot to Bischoff, Paulie, and Missy Hyatt. Man. What a trio this is. Um, uh, Missy is slated to get an interview. She's finally going to get her interview with the world heavyweight champion Lex Luger. And Paul Lee's going to talk with the All-American Ron Simmons... Or so we think. <laughs> I don't know what happens to that. That's right. That, it doesn't that really happen. <laughs> so let's start off with, we've got a Georgia Brawl Battle Royal. Um, before you launch into it, Jason, I want to give mad preps to Gary Michael Capetta for um, announcing everybody, or mostly everybody, with their weights and where they're from. <laughs> he really does. I'm like, wow. He does cut Except off. Except for Z-Man. <laughs> because he says on the way to the ring our first competitor Minneapolis Minnesota he doesn't say from yeah. it's like, like the city's coming to the end of this battle royal <laughs> he does that with a lot of people I know he's just forgetting he's got I mean he's got a laundry list of dudes but it's like that's the first one yeah and you fucked up so Jason walk us through this awesome battle royal sure <laughs> glad that this is first um i will say this though for the intro package stunning steve it's not as cool as stunning steve austin i don't know stunning steve sounds like a jobber um and 
we, when everyone's coming out, there's one thing I've noticed. Oz has stopped dyeing his hair gray. And now it's just kind of slowly washing out because it, it just looks like crap. Um, Welcome to like, Oz. Right. <laughs> hey, you know. Uh, and also, one thing I think is really cool is when Steve, when Stunning Steve comes out and he's the TV champ, he ain't wearing the belt. He's been holding that belt like that since the beginning. Where he's kind of just right. half holding it up and dragging it. Like, man, that's just been his thing. Um, Barry Windham's hair finally does not look like crap. So good it's for him. Four months. Yeah. Oh, dude, four months of, of us. Yeah, it's of been us. since yeah. like it's been since October of last year. So it's almost been a year for him in real life. God bless him. Um Tony Schiavone comes in, he goes, It's interesting, Jim, that the Z Man and Stunning Steve are both in this match. But then it's not that interesting because even though they have a match later, they're not touching each other or anywhere near each other <laughs> for the majority of this match. You're trying to add drama that's not there. Um, I noticed from a big wide shot that there is a lot of guys wearing neon green. You got Oz. Yeah. PN News yeah. is a lot of neon green on his own. Mm-hmm. And the Z-Man. That's the six, I wrote this. That's the six-man tag team championship team I want is Oz, the Z-Man, and PN News. Because <laughs> yes. they at least match. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they all have no no they don't um okay so tony then says that the one-man gang is smart because he's rarely near the corner or the ropes even though he had been previously in the corner for like the first three minutes of battle royal with five guys trying to pick him up so you know tony we pay attention maybe you should too uh i like tracy smothers gets eliminated and then complains to the ref that he was thrown over the top rope. <laughs> he looks at he does the whole thing. Threw me over the top rope. Where's the DQ? Like, like it's not a royal jacket. Mm. Uh, PM News somehow eliminates himself because, like, he's just thrown like just a normal like Irish rep to the rope, and right before he gets to the turnbuckles, you just see him squat and he launches himself <laughs> like Smoochie going to his home planet. Just yeah. right on. My note says PM News pretty much eliminates himself. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Um, I am actually super shocked that Dustin Rhodes was eliminated because I was waiting on Super Dustin Rhodes, the proto Cena, to to somehow win this. Uh, and we got to give Elegante when he wins. We got to give an assist to Oz because Kevin Nash still hasn't mastered somehow going over the top rope from a clothesline as he gets hit, waits like a second and a half, and then just jumps right on over. Um, hooray, Elegante wins. What does he win besides just this battle royal? What was the point? Um, this thing gets a three from me. Charlie, what did you think of this? So one thing Capetta did, uh, when Tracy Smothers comes out, Capetta just announces him as Tracy. <laughs> Tracy who? He didn't bother to say his name. And I, I like that he got, he went on and on for so long. There was this little pause, and then he picks it back up with, Continuing the list of entrants, <laughs> and I'm just, and I'm just sitting here like, if this was Monday Night Raw, it would start all these guys to be in the ring. Yeah. Like we could cut this show in half. But I kind of like this. I kind of like these guys coming out. Uh, Oz coming out with his hair the way it was, no mask. It just kept no back. background. No just, background. <laughs> no cape. <laughs> just he's got, he's got the cape. Did he have the cape? Yeah. Oh, he's well. got the cape. But yeah. it looks weird without the. But it made it look worse. Weird. Yeah. yeah, it just doesn't look right. 
Um, Flying Brian's been rehired because fuck us. Yellow dog. Yeah, the yellow dog. That dog don't hunt. <laughs> and once everyone was in there, and I got a, I got a, I got a good look at the mass of humanity, I couldn't help but wonder what it smelled like in there. I mean, it must be bad. What? Really? Yeah. I, 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 Is this a segue into your the your PN news note? It's coming. Okay, <laughs> it's coming. Um, oh, good. <laughs> okay, so PN news, in hilarious fashion, goes over the top rope and. <laughs> It's funny when big guys get eliminated sometimes, <laughs> particularly if they look like this, because the way they fall is just not natural. And then P PN News gets the unfortunate uh, camera angle of the night, because uh, he, he lands on his knees and he's bent over, and there's just a huge <laughs> wet spot right where you'd think it would be, and the camera holds on it just long enough to make me just lose my lunch. <laughs> it, just, it looks really bad. Um... Let's see what else we got here. Okay, so once it got down to like the final three or four, like it just I just kind of had this moment of clarity. I was like, oh, duh, of course Dustin Rhodes would be in here, and this is, I really thought he was gonna win it, you know, because of what we've seen lately. Um, but he didn't. Elegante got it. It's just uh, it, it's not good. But oh, I was excited to see Ranger Ross. Oh yeah, he popped up again. Yes, he did. He popped out real quick. Yeah, for the first time, for the last time. Yeah, I think he's done. But I was really excited to see him, and I'll have a note about him later. So that's uh, oh yeah. I, yeah. I gave this a four. Um, I'm, I want to. I want to. I'm pretty sure Buddy Lee Parker writes WCW a ticket. On his way to the ring. <laughs> Dude, he looks so small when Eligante grabs him by the head. He looks like a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, at one point, PN News and One Man Gang are like battling over who has the better big splash. That's set on the announce. That, that's their feud. That's the... the I'm fat. <laughs> Thomas Rich has his yeah. hair pulled back. Yep, Thomas. Thomas Rich, Rich we're there. Um, and at one point, Big Josh, I wrote skins the bear and still gets eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> skins the bear. That's fucked up. Yeah. Skins eaten. The final four I thought was like I was like man that's a lot of beef in there. <laughs> yeah, PN New or no I'm sorry you have Oz the one man gang and Eligante well Dustin over there but those three guys alone I'm like shit man this never happens in a battle royal where you have that much beef at the end. <laughs> Stop saying it like that. <laughs> beef. Um, Sam beef. Elliott over here. I mean yep, there is beef. <laughs> I I love battle royals at the beginning of a show yeah. especially like this that like there's really low stakes it's just to do it. Um, they gave it a name. It's still. Good. I only gave it a four, but it was still, despite it being a four, kind of fun to watch. It's all right. It's cool to see everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad everyone made the trip. I think it was worth it for that PN news spot. Oh yeah, alone. So Chuck up next. We got Bat Bad Street taking on Flying Brian in the light heavyweight title semifinals match. <sighs> okay. Uh... See if I can remember how this match went. So, <laughs> I've got like three notes, but no, I remember like these guys do pretty well together, like like with the chemistry. Um, the first moment that I bothered to write down, uh, 
So Bad Street is on the outside of the ring, and he suplexes Brian Pillman over the top rope to the floor, and it looks awful. Like, it looks really bad. And and I'm so kind of mortified by how what an awful-looking spot it was. It didn't even dawn on me that this was, you know, that he went over the top rope. And then Tony Schiavone goes, well, since Bad Street was on the outside anyway, it's legal. What? Yeah, they're nonsense to justify. More bullshit. You just get rid of this rule. Like, just get rid of it. Uh, Brian Pillman's suicide dive oh. is up there with Chris Benoit's. Uh, when he hit the table, that thing looked so scary. And and when they replayed it, it looks like he just lands right on his thighs because he he doesn't hit his head on the on the guardrail, but uh, like it just it didn't it didn't look right. Uh, thank God, because uh, I was relieved and then I was angry again later on when Anderson uh, kicked the Freebirds out of the match. I was like, oh, thank God. You know, maybe they're not wrestling on this show. You know, it's yeah. oh, no, no, don't get your hopes up. No. Uh, Regardless of all that, I enjoyed this match. I gave it a six. Jason, what'd you think? Um, nothing says that you're a face like entering a tournament after it's already started, then talking to management to get entered into the tournament so that you get a buy the first round. I wrote, I wrote what this. A face. I was like, what? This is some bargaining. This is like Triple H level politicking right here. Suck it. Yeah. Good no, Jason, because I was like, wow, that's that's all you got to do. Cool. Yeah. Hey, listen, listen. I totally went back on a con- <laughs> for months. I think you need to let me skip this first round. Um, you know, come on, guys, nudge, nudge. I mean, really, your light heavyweight champion. Who's it gonna be, Mike Graham? Uh, oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> uh, this is when I noticed because I kept hearing some talking during the battle royal. But- but I figure, well, there's a lot of guys in there. The camera's picking something up. Then I was hearing more talking, so I rewound it and put the the JVC headphones yes. on to figure it out. We're we're hearing from the truck. Oh. We're hearing cut to this camera, cut to this camera, cut to this camera. And at some point, we start hearing bullshit, and I'm wondering, is that coming from the production truck too? But no, it's not. Um, like Charlie hit it, re- you know, when uh, Pillman gives the security rail a suicide dive. Um, that is just fantastic, and that looks horrible. I don't know if Pillman was just too into it, or Bad Street was it where he wasn't supposed to be. I have I have no idea. But this was, I mean, like like piggybacking off the Battle Royal, and then you're going into this with all this high flying intensity and action, and and Bad Street's really getting to show off what he can do because the other two aren't out there just like parading around and trying to steal attention. Um, you know, I really like this. I also gave it a six. I am with you at a six. I think this is a match of the night, <laughs> unfortunately. Like, right off the bat, you're going to get it. But um, uh, Piltman somehow gets two best of luck spots. That's incredible. In one one of them has his own fault. <laughs> I'm, I'm still maintaining. I think he's the MVP of the season for me so far. Like, he's just, he delivers on every show. Like, it's the show, this season's becoming more of a tribute to him and what he's done or what he did during this period because it's awesome. And yeah, you're just like, just give him the belt. Like, just skip the final match and just give him the belt. So, um, let's move into, uh, oh, by the way, I'm a huge fan of Bad Street, like sitting up and he's like punch drunk from taking a cross body and he yeah. just falls down again. What are you, what are you selling? WWE Top 10. Here we go. Number 10, Beautiful Bobby. Number 9, The Z-Man. Number 8, Diamond Stud. Number 7, The One Man Gang. 
Number six, Dustin Rhodes. Number five, Stunning Steve Austin. The Rattlesnake. The Rattlesnake. <laughs> Bonnet Redneck. Uh, number four, Elegante. Higher than Austin. <laughs> number three, Barry Wendell. Well, he did just... Yeah, no, no, that's legit. Number two, Ron Simmons. Number one, the Stinger. The United States champion and your world champion, of course, as we said before, Lex Luger. Which leads us into our next match. Here we go. Johnny B. Bad versus Sting, who is the United States champion. Now, to give us a little bit of background for Stinger here, he's won the U.S. title, so he's he's moving up in the world. But he's also like encountering random packages that are on the, the rampway. We're going to see this a few more times, but the first one, like there's this big present for him, and it turns out it's Abdullah the Butcher, who like eats him for a while or whatever, just rips him apart. <laughs> And they're building this narrative that there's somebody who is buying off these wrestlers to come beat up. Someone has hacked Sting's Amazon account. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't order that. Alexa, send a present to Sting. (laughs) Alexa, send a present. Would you like to add a note? No, no, no note. Um, Would you like a gift wrapped? So this is like this, uh, despite like I, Johnny B. Bad not being in the top ten. This feels like this is a big, a, a fairly big match. Yeah, th- this was a match I used to recreate on the old crappy WCW. Oh, you did? Games. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think at one point Johnny B. Bad thinks the crowd is popping for him when Sting comes out, even though his music hasn't hit yet. But he sadly is uh, brought back to earth quickly. Um, I did write. I think Sting is betrayed by the present. So we get another betrayal. <laughs> happened to him. Uh, there's a what's in there? Oh. There's a lot of energy to start this with some high-risk moves that everyone is no-selling. Um, I think it's pretty... There's a lot of... I, Johnny B. Bad's got... Or Mero's Mar- got a lot of stones uh, no-selling Sting here. And I'm curious if he was so uh, apt to no-sell Lesnar when he found out he was fucking his wife. Well. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I'm like, you're no-selling the Stinger? Wow. In 91, you're going to... Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> well, he's pretty. He's fucking his wife. I'm serious. Like, when, <laughs> I thought... <laughs> when he found out Sable was getting boned by Lesnar, was he like, well, I'll show him. I'll no. TKO myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I will say, he does this top rope sunset flip, which any, anytime anybody does this, Sting's almost too far away. And he's he, it's a really it's well executed. It's amazing we've never seen that move botched. Like where he just jumps and th- this <laughs> crushes him. <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden, like it's not like this match was going great, but then like this doesn't help it. There's another present that appears on the ramp. It's getting expensive. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> And it distracts not only Sting but Johnny B. Bad. Everyone's Johnny B. Bad wants to turn face. And and then, like, after this standstill, they go into a grapple, and Sting's like, small package. Win. <laughs> Done. And he wins, like, right. with this small package. And it's pretty shitty, too. Yeah. It's... it. And then, I just kind of jump to the, um, to, to uh, incorporate the post-match stuff. So, it's Cactus Jack. We get the debut of Cactus Jack, who is a house of fire on Sting. As yeah. And uh, he does the that awesome elbow to the outside... He leaps over the table yeah. with Tony and JR. It's that's incredible. Yeah. 
he just absolutely tattoos Sting. He hits a double arm DDT. And then Big Josh, Bobby Eaton, and Dustin Rhodes run out to, to run off Cactus. Okay, cool. Um, I don't give this... I give this match a four. I just don't think it's it's it just ended up not being very good by the end of it. It had promise at the start, but that once that present came out and just the way everyone like just it I understand like it's it's a gimmick of the match, like it's it's a function of the match, it's supposed to lead to something, but the way it kills all the energy, big bummer. Jason, what'd you think? Uh I like how Charlie said something. Second to go, because one of my first notes is, isn't Johnny B. Bad a heel? Because he, like, shakes Sting's hand at the beginning, and it's not like a, yeah. oh, I tricked you, Sting. You're gullible. No, he shook his hand. Uh, like, he's wrestling pretty pretty soundly. You know, <laughs> he's not doing, like, the whole, he's not running out. He's not talking to his manager. His manager isn't cheating. <laughs> There's nothing going on. I'm a little confused. Um, the match is, is pretty decent. Uh and and then suddenly here comes the present, which really drives it to a halt. I just don't understand why Johnny B. Bad goes, "Oh, this one must be for me." Like it's so like, yes, you're it's right. so stupid. <laughs> yes. And, and then Teddy Longcrease screaming, "No, no, get back on Sting, get back on Sting!" Like a face manager would be, a heel manager would be like, "Yeah, that's you, yeah." And so Teddy Long decides to go stand on the stage so that when when Sting does that shitty roll up. Oh. Cactus Jack hears the bell and knows that's his signal to murder Teddy Long. <laughs> and, you know, for a second, like, like it's more, it's like, wait, is Johnny B. Bad going to go after Cactus Jack because he, he, he knocked over and hurt his manager, his friend? No, he's just going to, like, those two are going to hug and then, like, flicker like M. Bison's jacket when he throws it off in Street Fighter. <laughs> They're gone. And it's just like, then Sting just gets murdered with Cactus Jack. And it's great. I'm I, like, I, I was so excited when I was like, because I remember like the Sting Cactus Jack. If I recall, these are some pretty intense stuff. Yeah. This is like I think these are the matches that you think of of Sting during this time frame for the entirety, as opposed to what we've got right. so far. So, um, I, I, you know, well, all in all, I gave this match a five. That was well said, though. Charlie, what do you think? I really like. I think I've said this before, but I can't stress it enough. I really like the Johnny B. Bad character. Uh, but the thing is, when I was watching WCW, I think he was always a face. I remember him coming out with that gun mm -hmm. and just shooting it into the crowd. Don't treat me like a woman. Don't treat me yeah, like a Yeah, basically, man. he was China. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But China be bad? China be bad. <laughs> China be bad. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, a present. So, so are you saying, Will, that X-Pac is going to release a tape called One Night Johnny coming up real soon? <laughs> I'm pretty. Let's see that. Oh, oh hush, X-Pac. <laughs> well, uh, that being said, uh, I, I couldn't help but you know remember his time in WWF was like Wild Man Mark Marrow, and it was like, God, they really should have just paid for the rights to the Johnny B. Bad character. Because I really like him as a heel, and I like what I love when he gets in the ring with Teddy Long, and they just start dancing for some reason. And it normally I would hate something like this, but I think it really works. Like Teddy Long seems like he's having a blast, like doing managing this character. I think Jason said it in the last episode. He is so much better with Johnny B. Bad than he ever was with Doom, and so that's fun. I did like 
the the video package a little bit beforehand where they showed the present i was terrified when abdullah the butcher came out i was like no 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 no, go back in you know just like if you can get him if you can get him poor sting uh match has a pretty hot start and then it just shits the bed after i fucking hated this i wanted to love this match this was the match i was most excited to see and it just it sucks because i don't ever remember these two fighting and I don't know if they ever do it again. Maybe it's because they just needed to further the Sting story. Because that's the thing. Not every match has to be good. Some matches have to serve the serve the storyline of other matches. And that's what this match kind of does. But what makes it so confusing is the way Johnny B. Bad acts in this match. I, you know, I already mentioned the hey, is that for, is that my present? Like why that why he doesn't go for a roll up when Sting gets distracted is really weird. I totally forgot what Jason said, which is that. He actually shakes Sting's hand. And even before he does it, even before he shakes it, and it looks like they're about to do it, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that he was just going to shake his hand and that was going to be it based on his body language. I think Johnny B. Bad is betraying his own character. It, it doesn't make any sense. But to see Cactus Jack come out, now we're talking. Now we're in business. Because there is a match that these two have. I want to say it's a... I want to say it's Beach Blast. Uh... That might be the one. It's phenomenal. And it's basically... Now that I've seen enough of this Sting stuff, I really do think what Mick Foley does for Sting is the, basically the exact same thing he did for Shawn Michaels uh, like five years later at Mind Games. Uh, he really brings out an interesting side of Sting. And Mick Foley, you know, we, we talk shit about him and all the, the time. And The Undertaker. And The Undertaker. He added a whole new dimension to The Undertaker. Uh, like it's just one of those characters, like mankind. It's like, oh, this guy's made to fight the Undertaker. Which, by the way, real quick note: one thing we have because Jason's mentioned it too. Uh, Undertaker's gone from the best pure striker in the business to one of the best. One of, yes, one of. Like, we've demoted him. Something's Sorry, happened. Mark. You're not the big dog. That's too bad. You're not around enough. Yeah. Oh, and that's another thing he did that we forgot to mention. He did the sitting down or or on his knees thing. He slapped your belly. Yeah. Yeah. He slapped your belly a little bit. Um, anyway, sorry. But anyway, great to see. Great to see Mick Foley. Like I said, we talk shit about him all the time now, but there was a time where he really was one of the best wrestlers. When I was, you know, watching WWF all the time as a kid, I would watch WCW just to catch Cactus Jack because I was a huge fan. Um, uh, but I was not a fan of this piece of shit. I hated this match, but I don't think I was really supposed to like it because what it does set up is something that's really interesting. I just wish that Sting and Johnny B. Bad, I hope they have a match somewhere down the road that, that's really good. I gave this a three. After the commercial, JR and Tony replay and commentate the cactus run in that we just saw in the last match. JR drives home the narrative who wants to take out Sting. They're really pressing this hard. So up next, Jason, we've got Mike Jabroni Graham taking on Richard Morton in the light heavyweight tournament semifinal. The winner goes on to face Flying Brian for the light heavyweight title of WCW. How'd this one go? That's right. Um, well, I dubbed Mike Graham, Why Bother Mike Graham? Um, <laughs> because it's, and it's got nothing to do, not because I, I don't, you know, I don't recognize you, but it's also his body language the camera shot is from above him he looks to be looking down at his feet he's just holding up with his arm like yeah i'm here Augusta. <laughs> you know four hood let me hear it one time you know that's no this guy has no energy um so my first question is where the hell did alexandra york get data on mike graham i mean did 
did she just put info in on his daddy? Because like this this computer is supposed to have everything. They're just like, oh, we're happy to have Mike Graham here. They're giving us the full history on him. But I mean, like if if chances are his only televised matches in WCW for a while anyway were part of this tournament, I mean, who cares? Um, I want to give Ricky Morton some props for finally changing up his look a little bit, wearing the those black tights and stuff he's got on look kind of cool. Finally, look a little heelish. You don't have Ricky Morton on your tights there richard um he's got part of his hair pulled back in a ponytail good for him uh jim ross says size is not a factor in this contest because graham is 219 pounds and morton is 217 pounds even though earlier in the first light heavyweight match he says that bad street has a two pound strength advantage over brian pillman (laughs) so what's the fucking difference what's the difference uh at some point, Tony calls Alexandra York the lady. He doesn't say her name. The lady is up top. What's she doing now? Is exactly what he says. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> just, I, I guess it's because everything is all over the place, and their treatment of women is just. This isn't like, oh, we're sexualizing them. This is like we're just. They're, they're non-factors. Um, and it, I don't know. It's just hard. I also, my second question is, why did we need a distraction for this finish? Because Morton could have just kicked out of the roll-up at two, still pushed Why Bother into the turnbuckle, and then rolled him up and grabbed his tights for the win. Like, the, this, exactly. I, I don't get the point. Thank you. No, <laughs> I'm glad I wrote you agree. I wrote the same thing. There's no reason to distract the ref. None! It's, it's, it's just dumb. Jeez. You sound like the, their agent going off on them. <laughs> There's no reason. Uh, but here's here's the thing. When, before I give my rating on this, so we started off the show with a with a, a spectacle battle royal. Then we had a high flying, pretty good quality match. Then we had like a real the match itself wasn't that good, but it was like building some drama and building into the story. And then you have this, which is a pretty technical match, which is it's real different. I liked the variations that we've had in the variety. Uh, so I mean, it, uh, my opinion of this match, I have this bad boy five. <laughs> wow, like I feel like you just super kicked me out of nowhere with that. I, I was not expecting that rating, Charlie. What you think? Well, get ready for a double super kick because I kind of like this match. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm with Jason. Uh, oh man, bitch. Me and Charlie just kicked you during your mood salt, Will. You're done. I got a present for you. <laughs> so I just fell off the cage onto the concrete. Oops. So Mike Graham comes out. I just start laughing. Uh, I love, like, when his name is announced, he he, he does a real jobber. How you doing? <laughs> he, he does one of those. And they're like, yeah. And, and to no applause whatsoever. The winner faces Pillman. Uh, I actually wrote down, Graham's pretty good. He's not bad. But then again, he's wrestling Ricky Morton. Who or Richard Morton? Who I mean, he's not—he's not the heaviest guy. Like he can move around the ring, and he's a veteran. Like he—you can have a good match with Ricky Morton. Um, I, of course, I did write the ref distraction wasn't even needed. It's completely useless. Uh, but I did kind of like this match. I gave it a five. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, oh. I'm waiting on one of these rants coming up. No, no, no. I I think I figured out the the biggest problem with the Richard Morton thing is that 
there's this thing, and I don't know if it necessarily exists today, but there was this thing for a while, and I think it's more focused on American pro wrestling. I'm not sure if like if uh, like Lucha Libre obeys this or whatnot. If you're a high flyer and you turn heel, you can't be a high flyer. Anymore. Right. It, That's you true. know, because it's like oh, Stevie because, Richards, because because the crowd likes high flyers. That can be crippling for a wrestler, like Richard Morton, that is an awesome high flyer. Like has and and and. I mean, probably Ropin has a lot of energy to his moveset. Like, that's what made the Rock and Roll Express so much fun. He is woefully boring in this role. Mike Graham is what he is. He is a technical wrestler. You're not going to get anything more from this guy. He, yeah. is, he has zero charisma. The crowd, the crowd could care less. I'm sure the crowd, even in 91, is like, oh, yeah, Morton going over. Easy. <laughs> It's not losing to this guy. <laughs> it's just the... I don't mind variation, cl clearly. My favorite match of all time is Brett versus Mr. Perfect, which is a technical match. There's not a lot of high-flying, if any, in that match whatsoever. But there's zero... <laughs> the, watching the crowd, the yawns in the front row <laughs> were, enough, were enough for me. But yeah, I feel you. Um, Morton versus Pillman for the final... I, I was thinking about it the whole time, like, okay, could this be good? I can dig it. Yeah, I think I think if it do it on a pay per view, it could be a hell of a show. Um, I don't have too many more notes on that except that I don't. Why do you need a computer to beat Mike Graham? Oh, didn't he hit him with it right as the match started? Does he? I know she goes no. to. I know he goes to the computer. Oh, that must happen in a Terry Taylor match or that, something. I, I was dying. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> Everything says I'm gonna lose. Fuck it. Well, I love it too because he gets like we're we're burying the lead here, but they're like, oh, you know, with a computer, and I'm like, isn't that just the keyboard? Like, is is the computer in the keyboard? Like, it's yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. basically a big ass laptop. Because the the other thing that the other thing that's really interesting, what kind of internet? Existed back then to where like you can get some piped in feeds here about what's going on with Mike Graham. Like, update. Yeah, get a little update on it. <laughs> That's a home Wi-Fi. There's no cord coming out of that computer. <laughs> Imagine if it was a cord. A huge cord. My own Ethernet cord from the apartment that went. It was like a hundred feet long. <laughs> That's oh, funny. you guys had you guys had a hundred five foot long, a hundred foot Cat Five cable too. Yeah, just ran you it went all the way through the apartment and we always stepped on it. Yeah. <laughs> We taped it to the ground. <clears throat> oh my god! Yeah, I ended up giving this a three. I just whoa! I just thought it was boring. It was really boring to me. I'm sorry. All right. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. Do we as a match? Do we count Bill Kazmaier versus Steel Rod as a match? This is the best thing on the show. We have to talk about this. And all right, so let's do this because I, I, there's something. I'm so glad Phil sent this to us. We'll get to that in a second. Let's let's talk about what happens on the show here. Up next is the world's strongest man, Bill Kazmaier, the recognized world's strongest man by the Guinness Book of World Records. I didn't know they could do that. They could just they could bestow these titles on people, but they can't. Good can. thing Steiner's not in the building. Oh God, I would love what? <laughs> What'd you say? What? <laughs> and and he's teaming up with my brother. <laughs> uh, JR and Tony recap some of this guy's feats. I'm not going to go over him, but he's got a lot of feats. Bischoff is in the ring, and he supposedly is here to break a new world record. I don't know what record really it is, bending a bar a around. Dumbass record. Bending it on your neck, then wrapping it around your 
on your neck. I, I don't understand. But he's got a posse that carries a globe to the ring. It's not part of the act. I thought this was going to be part of the... But it's not. Like, are, is he Atlas? Is that what we're trying to do? Oh, uh, the Van Halen album cover. 50, right. 5150. I don't know if that's what we're doing, but... Bill proceeds to do it. Um, and as he's wrapping around his neck, the Enforcers, Double A, Arn Anderson, and Larry Zabisco... What punt name that is. <laughs> they appear, and they smash him in the ribs with a steel plate. Rick Steiner lumbers to the ring to give chase and chase off the um, and to check on Bill Kazmaier. They're going to be teaming up later in the World Tag Team Finals. How Kazmaier made it this far with Rick Steiner, but the uh, so what? Do you have do you have a note on? Oh, it? I absolutely. Go, have go, notes. go for it. Go for it. Go for it. So Bill Kazmaier, as a, as I call him, he has no charisma whatsoever, and Bischoff knows it. <laughs> <laughs> So he's bending that steel bar on his head with the towel on his head. And the crowd is just like, what the... So he's bending that bar on his head. And the whole audience just has this look of... Like, you, I just get the feeling that they all look at him and go, Oh, I bet I could take him. Like, nobody <laughs> seems impressed by this guy at all. And then, oh, it is amazing. Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco come in right at the precise moment that his arms are up. And, and, and it... Double A just waffles him with that weight, and then he does this, like fat bald Arn Anderson just kind of goes yeah, and he flexes right to Bill Kazmaier, and it's so funny. Uh, this is by far my favorite thing, and Bill Kazmaier—he's an idiot, like like for letting this happen, and now he has to compete in that tag match with what they basically say is broken ribs. Yeah. And Rick Steiner, where the hell are you? Like, All right, I'll be there in a minute. Yeah, he doesn't That's his care. Attitude. And basically, Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco just have the whole, that's about what's up here that uh, that makes you a good wrestler. <clears throat> Jason, you had a couple notes he said. Oh, yeah. Um, so, why don't you come to the ring when your tag team partner that you're going to be going for the tag team championships that night is going to do something. You should probably be there yeah. at least to cheer him on. Number two, it can't be, you can't be setting a Guinness world record if there's not a Guinness representative there, even though, because they've got to, they, there's a lot of crap they got to go through. Number three, his, he said his world record was for bending a three quarter inch, uh, rod around his neck okay cool so now he's going to attempt to bend build excuse me bend an 11 16th inch which i think i don't do i'm not sure about my conversions and stuff but i think that's smaller than three quarters of an inch um just saying mathematically because three quarters of an inch would be 12 16th not 11 16th so i mean what's going on here but i will say i'm super happy that this moment happened because it probably does give us our best thumbnail ever on the wwe network with just Bill Kazmaier warping this rod over his head with the title, just looking like he is in serious pain. Um, and this is where the I was hearing the chance of bullshit that I thought earlier that I, I heard thought that was too. coming from it because um, there's this. Yeah, I don't know if you if you noticed, but there was this like uh, super Georgia man in the front row who's like in that gray tank top. He's got the big gold thing. He's kind of jacked. He's been there the whole night, just letting us know how he feels about everybody. He disappears. When Bill Kazmaier comes back or comes out, and then he comes back after the fact, like he completely misses it. It's like, is this dude Bill Kazmaier? Because spoiler alert: later in the night, when Bill Kazmaier has his match, that guy's seat's empty too. Ooh, I think he really does think he could take Bill Kazmaier. 
because all of Augusta, Georgia applauds when Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco hit him with this steel plate. Like, and not just like, yeah, action. They're like, bravo, bravo. Like, they're really into it. This super quiet little lady in the front row is just clapping her ass off when this happens. Bischoff has to tell the crowd to cheer because, like, they're just sitting there. I don't know if you said it, Charlie. They're, I did. They're just sitting cool. there watching this. And he goes, come on, everybody. Cheer for this guy. Cheer him on. And then there's just kind of this, whoa. <laughs> it's not very enthusiastic. I'm going to get some fucking nachos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but dude, it is it is bad. Like just the not the not the segment. I think the segment's hilarious, but just everyone's apathy for this guy is is just astounding. Yeah. Um so but I gave this segment a ten out of ten. <laughs> so real quick, Phil had sent this um really cool article. Like this is year this is probably this probably goes back seven to ten years before this event. Kazmeyer, the world's strongest man takes this really seriously. And you know how serious he takes it? When he sees a commercial for a business that's advertised, like has oh, like a promotional guy that's saying he's the world's strongest man, he dials up his lawyer. And they <laughs> go to court to decide who's, who's the, the world's strongest Because Bill Kazmaier believes because he's done all these competitions that he is the world's strongest man. And this dude, this other guy, has done like other lifting things. Like he's lifted trains off tracks and, you know, <laughs> what? Well, he Lord, he wins. He wins. <laughs> he wins. Like, yeah, stuff like, like that. That's it. Like, I'm, I'm trying to zoom through the. I'm not going to read the article. I'll probably post it just so you guys can see it because it's hilarious that this judge is like, well, you guys know that like there's no way to really there's technically no real prove it. Ranking. And that's what the uh, and that's what the other dude is arguing. He's like, well, in, like it. Did they do arm wrestling? Like, the judge actually goes like extreme Akeem style here at the end. Is like, well, why don't you guys have a competition to decide it inside the courtroom? And and the other dude's like, yep, let's do it. Kazmar's like, no, he bitches out. I get paid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he. Kevin Owens is yeah, like, uh, I'm a prize, I'm a prize fighter. fighter. <laughs> yeah. So he basically bails on it. But Kazmar really legit took a dude to court because he said he was the world's strongest man. Makes me like this segment even more. I'm just like, fuck this guy. I, I don't like him. Yeah. All right, so let's shift into our next match. Here we go. You excited? Bad Street! The Fabulous Freebirds, who are technically the United States Tag Team Champions. I say technically in a minute. We'll get to it in a minute. Are taking on the Patriots. <laughs> Firebreaker Chip and Todd Champion, a.k.a. The Soldier. Todd Champion. <laughs> that, I just added that because that's, I guess, he's just the soldier. That's all we got for him. Uh, this is a non-title match, but they signed a two-match deal. They're going to have another God. match on, uh, I guess, the main event or Saturday night, one of the other shows. So, Charlie, take us away. You're telling us about this illustrious affair. So I thought we were out of it with the Freebirds, and, and then uh, that music kicked in. <clears throat> really used to like that song. I don't like it anymore. Uh, <laughs> I love that... I love how happy and impressed that they are with each other, that they know the lyrics to the song. And that they both can do the duh, 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 at the same time. They, they both do that. and I, I'm just waiting for them to screw up, basically. Uh, but this was great. Michael Hayes starts talking to the camera and is, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. JR does not care. <laughs> JR continues to talk while Michael Hayes is talking to the camera. And I have no idea what Hayes even said because Jr. just just didn't give a fuck. Um, oh, Tony Schiavone with the with the 
the call of the night here, basically breaking down the oldest wrestling move in history. Uh, the key to the sleeper. <laughs> this is what he says. He says, the key to the sleeper is the left arm. Right up around the neck region. No shit. Yeah, like that's... <laughs> Solid commentary, and Tony's usually really good. I, I love Tony Schiavone. This is awful. And then he repeats himself later in the night. He goes, ah, just like I was saying, we have a sleeper. <laughs> uh, I put, I don't even remember this, but I put Todd Champion? Question mark. I think that was when I first heard the guy's name. Um, Citizen Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was great. So, uh, Chip Douglas, what's his name? Firebreaker. Firebreaker Chip. Uh, Chip. That's my three sons. Yeah, anyway. So, so Firebreaker Chip uh, tags in the Iceman. Oh, this Todd is Todd Champion. Champion. <laughs> he, he tags in Todd Champion. Yeah, you hanging in there? And he's, I, I don't remember these guys' names. And he's really excited to get him. Like, come on, I've got a great idea for a tag team move. Come on. And what's the move? He literally whips him into the ropes, and then they both do a back elbow. That's it. <laughs> That's all they do. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, basically, Chip gets worked over, and this was what really drove me nuts with this match. Chip gets worked over the entire match. He tags out, and then Todd Champion tags him back in like 20 seconds later. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Chip's clearly like... I don't know, man. He goes in, uh, the Freebirds cheat, and they get the one, two, three. Tony Schiavone is insistent on driving home this bullshit narrative that the reason that they lost the match is because they shouldn't have tagged in, Todd Champion shouldn't have tagged Chip back into the match so fast after he tagged out. But at the end of the day, the Freebirds cheated to win the match. That's why they won. But Tony's like, I told you. He shouldn't have brought him back. No, they cheated. Uh, it's it's awful. It's it's just a really bad tag match. Uh, I think we're all pretty much tired of the Freebirds at this point, including Jim Ross. Uh, <laughs> I gave this a two. Jason, what'd you think of this? Well, like the text I said to you, Will. I had completely forgot the Patriots existed. And then as soon as I saw them, I remembered how much I loved them as a kid. <laughs> I, I don't remember. Like, I was just, I was like, oh, my God, look at this. this like, the soldier, the fight. Like, I was just super into it. Because let's be honest, a special forces officer and a fireman, that's what the Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone team-up movie would have been in 1991. 100%. Um you know, I think that uh, the Ranger Ross is pissed off that he is not part of this team because, you know, he's been around since God knows. When did we see him? Like, we get that one thing like, like hey, hey Iraq War, ago. here's Ranger Ross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, forever ago. With and you're going to have. Uh, oh, I was just going to say that the JR line is a role model for all children. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So here he is, Ranger Ross. Already, I'm, a, I'm an Army Ranger. Good for you. And you have a team called the Patriots, and you got a guy, Todd Champion. Yeah. My God, fantastic name. Who are we going to pair him with? Uh, let's pair him with this five foot two jacked fireman. Let's call him Firebreaker Chip. Like, like is this American Males, like version O? 
because <laughs> they they the women are like swooning when Firebreaker Chip and he's one of those dudes like he's got a fantastic body but his little peanut head does not match. He's so <laughs> short, like I mean, yeah. he's really small. Yeah, he's compact, <laughs> but but it's great. Um, so went to the match itself. A high five is a tag, right? Because when Chip comes over and high fives Todd, Todd should have come in the match. After he, you know, Chip's holding his on against yeah. the Freebirds. Um, so, but when the the Todd champion comes in, does his like super tag move of doom, uh, then like drop kicks or something, and then tags Chip back in. I don't know if they both forgot because Todd Champion is in there for seven five counts. Like he just won't leave the ring, and there's no DQ or nothing. The ref's like, "I mean it, all right." Four point nine, four point nine one. Four. I mean, like, what is he doing? Is it Nick Patrick or is it Randy Anderson? Leave. Wait. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, who who ref this? I don't think it's Nick. I think. Okay. Okay. I don't think it's super. I don't think it's super. Okay. Um. So, but. I give this match four because at least it's not the Young Pistons versus the Freebirds. That's true. Get some points for me. I I feel like Todd's in there so long, the ref, whoever it is, is eventually just like, get the fuck out. I got to count the finish. Stop it. Go away. Because, yeah, he's... Stop it. it. And wait, Charlie, the Freebirds, the Freebirds, if I recall, they didn't cheat. Like... Michael P.S. Hayes leaves the ring, so he jumps over the top rope. While meanwhile, Todd Champion is being chastised for like the 80th second to get out. So Michael Hayes leaves the ring, come back, comes back in, and breaks up a non-pinfall. Just elbows the dude and leaves. That's not cheating. That's tag team wrestling. He saved his partner. Well, if the referee so, had seen I that, guess maybe that wouldn't have happened. No, no, no. That's cheating. That's totally cheating. And it doesn't even make sense what Michael Hayes does because. Thank you, Jason, because Tony Schiavone fucked this this one up, too. Uh, Michael Hayes jumps out of the ring for no fucking reason whatsoever, comes back into the ring, and it really did look like he drove his elbow into his head when they showed that replay. Like, yes. oh, fuck. And I then, mean, like he fucked him up. Yeah. And then Tony Schiavone goes, oh, you see here, you see here, Jim, he jumped out of the ring to fool the ref into thinking that he was leaving the ring. And then he got back in when the ref was turned around. No, Tony, the ref was always distracted. He jumped out of the ring for no reason. The ref never even saw him do that. So, But see, that's my point, is he left the ring, and then he comes back in. Perfectly legal to me. No, oh, no, no, no. If the, ref, if, the ref is, if the ref was on him and was counting to five, and he gets out of the ring, the ref stops the count, and then he comes right back in, that count starts over. Perfectly fine. Isn't it the old NWA rule? Like, wasn't it? Uh, you can come in and, and break something up once, yes. and then you you could never do it again, or, or else yeah, you get you had a certain amount of times you could do it. Yeah, yeah, I forget if it was one or not, but you're right; they're on the right track. I go by NWA rule. Oh, you do, huh? I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, my only com- I, I give this match a two. My only comment is back to the power plan. <laughs> OVW. Um, but but here's the funny thing. These guys are the U.S. Tag Team Champions. They beat the Freebirds. For the- <laughs> <laughs> I 
That's why I said the asterisk earlier. Yep, they actually beat them for the belts. And I think they've already beaten them at this point. It's another one of those Freebirds have negative days as champion. It's <laughs> like... The, the, nah, but not really. last. Yeah, but they, they've already lost the belts by this point. So, yep, get ready. We're going to see some, hopefully some more of these two guys. Up next here, we've got Paul Lee, who's now talking to Cactus Jack. This is a nice foreshadowing yes, later on. It'll be great. Um... Paul's in the ring with Cactus. Paul asks who's behind the plot to take out Sting. Jack asks everyone to clap for Sting in his career. And this is when we go to the moment of the night where we cut to the audience and see David Putty. The Devils! <laughs> the Devils! This guy is the team. ultimate Sting fan. <laughs> and he's this guy is ready for the camera. But his girlfriend... Oh, this is that guy! Yeah, yeah. yeah she's just... Hmm. <laughs> she's, I have made choices. <laughs> and she's sandwiched between this guy. This other guy. <laughs> I tried to get him in the picture. He's like, yeah! <laughs> That poor girl. Cashmere! Yeah, that's the cut of the night. Cut away to that. That's great. Absolutely love it. But then, um... Uh... Cactus wants to give Abdullah a big hug. He thinks Abdullah's in this new present that has found its way out to the ramp. Another present. It's, but not to bury, like, it's an awesome Cactus promo. It's really yes. good. He's already there. That's what's crazy. But anyway, he goes out to hug this present, but the, <laughs> the present explodes and it's staying. Goes to hug this <laughs> It really does. I'm going to hug this box. And it explodes, and it stings, and just, like, wallops him. And Pre does an over-the-edge 98 and throws him off the ramp onto the concrete. Yep. Brutal. It's really quite simple. Yeah. It's it's an awesome brawl. Like, it looks really good. And then he finds a plastic trash can to throw at him for good measure. It's a really good brawl. I'm like, okay. This is the future. Can't wait. Yeah, it's a lot better Can't than the cold-off mess that we got. Oh, yeah, that is over, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stone Cold Steve Koloff. <laughs> You guys got anything on that real Dude, quick? Ever. Mm. What's well, Koloff? Just Nikita Koloff never got his match with Lex Luger. Never did. The whole reason he came no, back. No, you're never. right. You're right. No, like Foley doesn't just. Um, Kakashi just doesn't just take the the throwing off of. Whenever it's like this became a thing with Mick Foley. If you attack Mick Foley on a ramp of any kind, you're gonna see him get thrown off of it. You're gonna see Foley try to pile drive the guy, but then get back dropped onto the ramp. Like there's a certain number of. Of spots that he loves to do with a ramp. Yeah. So, but I mean, back then, I'm, I'm, it, it must have been fresh. But it was cool. I cannot wait to see this feud. Yeah. <clears throat> Jason, got anything you want to add to that one? No, I'm just I'm ready for Cactus Jack versus Sting. Definitely. So ready. So now we come to the Charlie Seville segment of the night. We go to the we go to Florida State Seminoles head coach Bobby Bowden. Talk to us about Ron Simmons. Uh, they they actually show footage of Simmons getting his jersey retired. Then it's really cool. And I'll be honest, like I was expecting this to be a lot worse of an interview. It's not that bad, and because he actually is not reading off cue cards, it seems like he's he's not looking at the camera either. He's, he's just, I, I know. I want to know who. Is, <laughs> is he looking at? Is it Butch reading there? Like Ron, Ron was there. Ron was there just off camera. You're a smart motherfucker, Bobby. <laughs> Look, Look at, at the, the big brain on Bowden. <laughs> But he basically says, in a nutshell, I'll let Charlie and Jason go into this further, but he says, Ron Sim is the greatest human being ever, uh, which is a football, I mean, which I, I wrote, as a football player, 
he's pretty accurate in saying he's probably the best FSU football oh, player at that point. But um, Deion Sanders may have something to say about that. But anyway, uh, Charlie, you had some good notes on this last night. What did you think of this? He is the greatest human that ever humaned. Yeah. Like, that's how Ron Simmons comes off just basically the whole night. And yeah, Bobby Bowden, it's not bad. Uh, but we talked about this in the car. It's really weird, like, to think about, like, when these these, these uh, football players leave football and they go into pro wrestling and how how their old coaches look at it. Because Bowden says things like, um, oh, you know, like, we'll be praying for you. Hope you w- you do well in pro wrestling and you win the title. It's like, you got to know that, or you got to at least think that the coach would at some point talk you know, to uh, their former player who's a wrestler and I go, man, be honest, man, is pro wrestling on the level? Like, it's got to be a weird conversation. But it was it, it was okay, and it's it actually was really cool to see the footage of, of Ron Simmons uh, with getting his jersey retired. Cause, uh, and, and the reason I say it's cool, uh, even though I'm tired of this football shit for the most part, is that WWF never really did this with... Ron Simmons, Farouk, and really, never really told us how important he was uh, in a completely different sport. He was just Farouk, you know. So on that level, I think it's really cool. <clears throat> Jason, you got, did you want to add anything about the Bobby Bowden interview, Ron Simmons? Uh, I love the uh, Bobby just like saying, and when you're wrestling for that championship, you just and you get you getting worn out. You just look oh, over that. and you see your coach. And I'll be praying for you. So, if Russo was writing this, Bobby Bowden would have just said, I'm going to be at Halloween Havoc. And he would be front row, and his ass would turn on Ron Simmons. <laughs> That's what I want to see. He just rips off his, his Florida State Seminoles coach, and he's wearing a Florida Gators coach shirt for no fucking reason. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Doesn't he say... He's praying to God for him. Doesn't he say what? something like, and if, you're, and if you're down and out and you're getting your butt kicked, just, just think of me. Whispering in your ear. Yeah. Just. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's, Joe Pond, it's the way no. you punctuate stuff. <laughs> Charlie that made that sound horrible. You're getting your butt kicked. Just think of me whispering in your ear. Whispering Don't your tell ear. nobody or else you'll get in trouble. Oh, Mr. Like Sandusky. Said, hey, Mero. Fucking yeah. your wife. <laughs> okay. but, Again with that? Done. Oh yeah! Oh no! <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> the beast in carnage. <laughs> mm. All right. Up next, we've got the aforementioned Ron Simmons, the All-American, because we have remember we have to call him the All-American Ron Simmons. That's part of the naming of him now. Taking on, boy, have we we've fallen pretty hard. Diamond Stud without DDP, without any woman to take off. But, I mean, he might as well be Razor Ramon. Oh, yeah, he comes he right comes out. out. I'm the bad guy. Yep. I'm the bad yep. guy. <laughs> I'll go through this real quick. Um... He no-sell... Well, first of all, Ron Simmons gets pyro and this feeling like he's a true superstar. The problem is the crowd does not seem to fully be into this yet. Georgia. They're, and it's it's wild because they're going to have this footage from Atlanta soon with him at the boys' club and all that stuff. But it's weird that they're pushing real hard for him to be the guy. And all the elements are there. It just doesn't seem like the crowd's quite there yet. I don't know if it was just maybe sound or whatever, but it didn't seem like the pops were like sting level. No, they're not sting level. No way. But, um... This match, uh, 
Diamond Sub pretty much no-sells everything Ron Simmons does, even though, like, Simmons is throwing some hard stuff at him, even, like, a spine buster. There's a great spot with the leapfrog that he, that, uh, Ron Simmons tries to leapfrog Scott Hall. Scott Hall catches him and chokeslams him. It's a really good spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he, at one point, he calls for the Razor's Edge. <laughs> but he doesn't deliver on it. Why not? And then the only thing he sells is, like, Ron Simmons is, like, John Cena, like, moves a doom with the shoulder tackle. And that's how he gets the win, with a three-point stand shoulder tackle. Um, I give this a five. Eh, it's too high. I know. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm at it. I am regretting it, because, like, thinking about it, like, like I'm like, eh, I know that's too high. But the one thing, I, I think I know why I gave it a five. It's like, I kind of... I kind of believe this guy is a contender. I don't know if he's the guy who's going to get the belt. I don't know if I feel that, but it's like, okay, after all this stuff, like I see this guy in the ring, a couple of those spots, that spine buster is really good. Not crazy about the shoulder, the three-point stance, and that every fucking football player or wrestler has to all do. Every one of them do this. Hey, Kevin Green did it when he wrestled. Mongo did it. That's right. It was Mongo's move. Yeah. 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 So... I think I give it a five just because I believe him. I I feel bad that like it seemed like Scott Hall really didn't sell anything though for him until the end. But anyway, Jason, what do you think of this? Um, there's only one D on the studs tights this time. All right, like somebody, you did it. <laughs> what? Just like last time, right? Oh, because we were here was confused. There was like two D's in his name on the plate. It's just like they're confused. Is he the diamond stud? Or is he the diamond stud? <laughs> but, uh, well, there there was one point that uh, Scott Hall sold really good because he screams when Ron Simmons counters his cocky pose pin. <laughs> like, it's great. It's like he's just being wrenched something. And it's just Ron Simmons just wraps his legs around his shoulders and, and goes for a roll-up. Um I don't like the three-point stance finisher for Ron Simmons. Like, I get it. You're a football player. But you were part of a dominant tag team for a long time. Like, I get if you were new to the – if you look at this, oh, he just came off the field and he's wrestling. Maybe. But I don't know. I, I just – I always hate that. Um, you know, you're right, Will. It was a little too high, but stick by it, man. <laughs> Backtrack. Uh, I gave it a three. Uh, what do you think of it, man? I'll split the difference. Uh, I really like, I love when a, a big baby face comes out to Pyro and fanfare. And then without even being able to get both feet in the ring, the bad guy just, just waffles. And just, uh, uh, like, Scott Hall's great here. But here's the problem. He shouldn't have fought Diamond Stud. Diamond Stud's been kind of on his way up with DDP, and it's a really cool character, and it's of course it's Scott Hall. And he's a top ten wrestler, according he's, to this. Right, and I don't see uh, this doesn't do him any favors. Like, I mean, of course I think Ron Simmons should have fought somebody that he could beat, somebody with a, a little bit of clout, like like Terry Taylor. That's the perfect guy. For see him the other thing beat. we didn't mention? I didn't mention her. Scott Hall looks massive compared to him. Yes. Like a, a small dude compared to Scott Hall. Right. How juiced up he is. Go ahead. No, that's very true. Uh, I just don't like seeing Scott Hall get wasted. It's very obvious why he would be jumping ship to WWF. And um, But uh, the shoulder tackle, yeah, of course I don't like it. Um, I loved the spine buster that he gave uh, Diamond Stud. That was really cool. The connection with Ron Simmons, I don't know. Um, his promos aren't particularly strong, and it's simply because 
it seems to be train of thought kind of thing. Like there's no real nothing that really connects them. But he, I always thought Ron Simmons had uh, great charisma, yeah. and he's a great in ring performer. Just like Johnny B. Bad, I think I liked him more in WCW than I did in WWF. Uh, but the match, I'll split the difference here. I'll give this a four. And I was wrong. Paulie does interview him right after this, so I was yeah, wrong. That's I apologize. Because I kept thinking, like, I don't remember it, but now that I'm reading Well, it, he doesn't really interview him. He just yeah. sticks a microphone in his face. Because that's the thing. Ron Simmons comes across more, like, frightening than, like, inspirational. Like, he's, like, the way he's delivering things is really angry. Like yeah, He's not a how's everybody doing tonight it's, kind of face. And it, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very babyface promo about, like, dreams can come true oh. for anyone. And then, like, he, he wants to, like, he, it's, it's like, like, well, it's what a lot of babyface wrestlers want to do. They don't want to wait. They just want to get the fight going now. So Mr. Hughes and Harley Race are like, oh, you know what? Let's come on down and have a talk with you. It's brilliant. Harley Race starts talking, and I guess Paulie doesn't think anyone will understand Harley Race. Like, he's Stu Hart or something, and he just takes the microphone away from him. <laughs> what? He starts pitching him. Jason, he starts pitching him a movie, and it's like, no, no, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that. <laughs> I almost wrote a joke during the press conference. I was like, no, no, I'm going to save that for Will. But I want to know, like, Mr. Hughes and Harley Race come down there for nothing. Right. For yeah. nothing. Really and no then when Ron, is, when Ron is heading to the back, you know, because everyone's dreams come true, my dream is to find Lex Luger and kick his ass. <laughs> um, when he's going to the back, it looks like Harley Race is really getting into it with Paul Heyman. I mean, I don't know if they're just shooting the shit or what. He's like, I was supposed to do this. <laughs> It like weird. It, it just transitions. It does look weird. Like <laughs> you know, but uh, it, it sets up sets the rest of the night pretty damn awesomely. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Oh yeah, because that. Is, oh yeah. We'll get, we'll get to it. Yeah, because Jason had the break. I'll say that the Pruder film breakdown. It's brilliant. This show, if nothing else, does a really good job of actually getting me excited for yeah, Halloween. Yeah, it really is. Like these matches aren't. Great Luger versus but, Ron Simmons, whatever. But this show gets what it needs to do yeah, to get it done. Yeah, I can't wait we to can see talk. Halloween Havoc. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I, I love this show. I cannot wait. I it's the opening match alone. Um, okay, up next, Taylor, Terry Taylor, aka the computerized man of the 1990s, with maybe with Alexander York versus. Can you believe it's? I cannot believe Van it. Hammer. Woo! All right. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So, J- J- Jason, I, I will... He gets this. Oh, God. I think he does, right? I, I just, I, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, I'll just, he I'll, gets it. He gets I was it. making sure I didn't screw it up again. That'll be part of the compilation, where I screw up the order. Ah, ah did it. Fuck it. All right. Walk us through this one, Jason. It does, you'll, you'll probably talk longer than the match last. <laughs> we all will. Oh, challenge accepted. Now, um... Van Hammer is cheese tastic. Uh, fucking dude, just all up like the, the for what it is, all in right in the presentation. I do, however, think he has never held a guitar before, but because um, it's not a it's not a baton. Like he carries it. Like like when he's out on the ramp, I love it. He's holding the guitar and he does the stomp and the pyro comes out. This is some pretty big production for a dude we've never seen. Like Oz level. Like check this guy out. But he's stomping. And, like, the, you just hear the immediate, you hear running water because women just look at him and get, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, look at that guy. Looks like hulked out Sammy Hagar. There it actually. is. Actually. Took it. Took it. Yeah. <laughs> 
but he comes out and then he gets in the ring and then proceeds to parade around the ring holding the guitar by the head like it's fucking hacksaw jim duggett's two by four it just marches he does the ryback stomp over and over, and it's great, and the crowd loves it. Not even Terry Taylor's negative charisma can hurt this dude. And at one point, I, he looks over at Alexander York, and she looks at her computer and looks back at him like, I got nothing. So that's why Terry Taylor just goes and creams him with that fucking computer. I love your line, Charlie. It says I lose? Fuck it. Oh, man. It's just like... I got nothing to like, lose. Fuck it. As far as the match goes, I mean, like, the crowd just gets more and more into this dude. Like, I was just laughing because I remember how much I liked Van Hammer uh, as a kid. And I think he's got a a decent feud, I think, with Cactus and Abdullah coming up. There's somebody I remember. It's something involving a horse stable and a false counting match that actually leaves the arena. Um, And... But Van Hammer has the coolest pin. And where is that pin animation in the WWE games? Where he's just laid on Terry Taylor after dropping his knee into the small of his back from the top rope, which should kill him. (laughs) While looking at Alexander York and banging his head. Fucking phenomenal. This match, because of Van Hammer, gets a seven. Oh my god! Whoa. Wait a minute. Okay. All right, all right. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Keesler just said elbow dropped somebody through a table. That's what that is. <sighs> so, he has a name that sounds like Van Halen. He looks like Sammy Hagar, but, you know, if you didn't drink a lot of tequila. Uh, the, the one thing about this character, like, so he comes out with that guitar. I couldn't help it. It's very obvious he doesn't know how to play it. I thought it would have been so cool if he played his own entrance music. Like that, if you're he, way ahead of your time. If, that. if he knew how to play Pound Cake, like that would have been awesome. Like if Pound <laughs> Cake, <laughs> <laughs> get the drill out. Dude. Yeah, he's got the drill. Yeah, yeah, and like he just kind of like does his weird little Eddie Van Halen like split kicks all the way to the ring. Like I had a whole idea with this guy. Like and I'm like. How long would that cord have to be? Like to be hooked into the sound system to play down? <laughs> they unplug the modem, plug that in, got a multi-box back there. Like, because it's very obvious he doesn't know what he's doing. He gets in the ring. Sammy Hagar, he gets Gary Sharon in the back with that keyboard. <laughs> and, and it's, it's so funny when Terry Taylor does that. Because it's just like, he's been completely upstaged. Yeah, because Terry Taylor, he always comes out. I've I've called him this before. He's a hands-on hips wrestler. He just he just yeah, and he's got this kind of goofy just smile, just like I really don't know what I'm doing. Like, like Terry Taylor is the it truly is the anti charisma, and he was almost Mr. Perfect. Like that's what I always think of with him. And him and Kurt Hennig couldn't be any more different. He's very imperfect. Yes, yes, he is. Uh, Van Hammer. Decides to take a book out of the Ultimate Warriors page, and does the ring rope shake with his head, and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> just the renegade before his time. The ultimate hammer. Yeah, the ultimate <laughs> hammer, <laughs> and the hammer falls. Ow, my and thumb. That's a Sammy Hagar song, the hammer falls. Uh, uh, he does a. W- this was actually really creative. He does a "We Will Rock You" stomp. 
Like he figured it out, dum dum, and it's just like, that's Queen. You know that that's fine. You're a rock star. Yeah, we get I it. I get it. And like Jason said, he should have killed him. Like with that move off the top rope. It's just the move looks like utter shit. You know when he does it, and <laughs> and then he gives him basically that's like an old Ultimate Warrior pin, just like I buried him. And they're really missing the boat, not teaming him with PN News. Oh. Oh man, and they come out to walk this way or something? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, that's great. That's really good. You get some uh, new metal. Yeah, rap rock. Then you come out to that that, that uh, Anthrax. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, uh, break the noise. Yeah, Public yeah, Enemy yeah, song. Yeah. 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 Oh, that, yeah. that would be great. That'd be great. Um, but unfortunately, what we would get is since the guy can't play a guitar and PM New sucks, we'd get yo baby, yo baby, yo, and then what? <laughs> He just starts playing Smoke on the Water. Okay, okay. Wait, let me start over. It'd be awesome. It's incredible this guy hangs on. He does, man. He's in revenge. You know, because he goes grunge. Just like Van Halen kind of did in the mid-90s. He follows the trends. It goes to flock, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because Sammy Hagar started wearing fucking uh, flannel at one point. I'm like, oh, here we go. Uh, As entertaining as this was, I feel kind of bad for this, uh, because the match, I just fucking hated it. But there was so much to talk about. I'll boost my rating a little bit. I'll give this... I had this at a one. But this was... I did... But everything that surrounds the match, now that we've that talked about it, years. yeah, I'm just not not a fan of the uh, Van Hammer years. Uh, but I gave this, I'll give it a three. I'm sticking with my two. <laughs> I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. All the stuff we talked about, like I, I it, makes it, it enjoyable. That all the build up to that knee drop, that like this isn't a good idea. This could really hurt somebody. But then it's like clearly like he lays up on it to where like it doesn't look like he did anything. It's like, eh. all right, but yeah. Total, I'm totally buying in. I'm totally buying into this guy going forward. But all right. So now we have this. Missy Hyatt catches up with Lex Luger for an interview. She actually gets in there. There's no Stan Hansen, unfortunately. Which Where is he? Is he in Japan? Maybe. He, maybe he was stuck taking a shit. He was just like, I can't make it out for this one. <laughs> More. <laughs> Uh, sir, bro. All right. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. Ron Simmons politely knocks on the door and then enters. Just, I love when he enters. Where's Lex Luger? Yeah. He's right there. <laughs> just, just Luger to the left. Luger's shirt. Is so fitting. Like you notice how it's like it's it's too he's, tight. Yeah, he's about to burst out of this thing any minute. If he gets if he takes one more steroid, yep, Super Brawl Saturday. Super <laughs> <laughs> so Luger like and what? Oh, you're you'll elaborate on this a lot better. But I'm just gonna skip to he just Luger just if it shoves Simmons. He just shoves him out and like they 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 jaw jack for a little bit. Here's the thing that's fascinating. I have never seen one of these things that has two camera angles. Yeah. Yeah, with a camera on the inside and a camera on Ron Simmons. Whoa! Mm -hmm. We've got two cameras. Simmons is eliminated from the locker room. 
Then he gets into a three-point stance. What would have happened oh. if that door didn't open? Yeah. Or what if they opened the it right as he's... <laughs> been like fucking Making Goofy gun. and Mickey Mouse and shit. Um, he charges through, and then all the faces pull him out of the locker room. So once again, there's no interview for Missy. Nope. So Ron Simmons has ruined it. I was hoping he'd run her over. I had be... Sorry, I had a moment there. Uh, anyway. Jesus. <laughs> Lesnar over here. <laughs> 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 Alright. But, yeah, uh, so Simmons did... I don't know if he accomplished his dream or not, to, but whatever. We're, we're moving the storyline along. What would you guys think of this? Jason, what did you think of this moment? <laughs> well, uh, I thought it was really awkward that the world heavyweight champion was changing clothes in a section in the hallway set up with a bunch of blue curtains you know i imagine not having enough room for all the the roster i i get that but why is your world champ the one that's in here yeah um and, and the reason why that's such a big deal is ron simmons as you said politely knocks on the door comes on in gets right in mr hughes face where's lex luger i'm tired of talking to the stooge lex luger palms him right on out the door shuts you see ron simmons kick the little can or whatever the hell it was he kicked which i thought was hilarious <laughs> touch gets down into the three-point stance then you cut back in for missy's interview and that's when i see the dude behind the curtain holding the curtain wide open before the camera cord and you can see out to the hallway where ron Simmons is and i'm going no ron just walk around <laughs> go in no he goes through that door and yes that picture i took where he's going through the door it's the perfect moment where if that was a sitcom that's where freeze frame and your end credits go Ron's going into some cake. But we start in 1991 with Ron Simmons' obsession with making sure to go through the doorway even though there is no wall. This is amazing. I love it. <laughs> and it's perfect. The end for me. You had a great comment last night about Lex Luger's a heel and like how they missed kind of the boat on this. Oh, absolutely. Because um, I think Lex Luger, I want to say based on my memory, he spent about... 80% of his career as a face. And I think that is a huge missed opportunity because he's an awful face. And it's just because of how bland he is. But as a heel, oh, I mean, he nails it. I remember season one. Um, he has some of the best stuff during that Russo uh, time period. The total package. With the total, ta total package. Not Lex Luger. And he had, the, the, he had the, the weird song and the pose down with Miss Elizabeth. He was a prick. And it was so funny. Because, yeah, look at this guy. Look at this guy. He, he looks nothing like us. Why do we cheer for him? You know, like, he's, he's, he's chiseled. He looks like he's made out of granite. And he's fighting Stan Hansen. I'm going for Stan Hansen. Like, 100%. Like, you cannot relate to Lex Luger. So, the way that he behaves as a heel, and we'll see it later on again on this show, it makes me look at him completely different. Because he, he was a natural... Okay, up next we have the WCW World Television Champion. It's Stunning Steve Austin defending the belt against the Z-Man. So you end oh, up with yeah. this instead. Well, so I think it worked out all right. That's okay. Uh, all right, so it's like, well, you know, been waiting for the Z-Man to have a good match. He's got to have one with the Rattlesnake Stunning Steve Austin. <laughs> and uh, the one thing I'll say about this match that is really positive is that um, when he kicks Steve Austin with a super kick, JR calls it a super kick. He does not call it a karate kick. And I was 
Really happy to get get rid of that. Uh, the stun gun. I remember like so Z Man keeps working on Austin's leg, and Tony tries to wrap that up with, well, you know, the stun gun is a suplex type maneuver. I remember he said that's like, no, it's not. And he's like, he has to lift him like in order to do the move, and he you can't lift when you got a bad knee. So okay. Um, it's really cool the brass knuck spot that Lady Blossom does. And, of course, the, the, the thing that's really stupid, whenever you see someone get handed brass knucks in a wrestling match, especially back in these days, my mind immediately goes to, okay, how does the ref not see this? My eyes go to the ref, and I'm like, how, what's he going to do? Nick Patrick's, like, on the other side of the ring, and right when Z-Man picks him up to do the belly-to-back, right before Austin hits him, Nick Patrick all of a sudden miraculously gets something in his eye. <laughs> I don't know if you caught this. The second he picks him up, Nick Patrick's watching, and he goes, uh, uh, and he just kind of like does this, and and he looks up, and he's on the ground. Oh shit! One, two, it's it's dumb, but Austin makes it look good. But once again, I don't like this match. Uh, Z Man, you just can't. No, I'm not a fan. Uh, I gave it a I gave it a four. Okay, okay, okay. Jason, what do you think of this? Um, Tony Schiavone turns into a tweener commentator during this match. Uh, because E-Man is very lenient and needs to be more aggressive. Stunning Steve will do devious things to win, and sometimes you got to stoop to the level if you know what I'm... Yeah. Jim Ross follows it up with a real-time performance. Yeah, he follows a real-time performance review of Z-Man. Z-Man better get a mean streak if he wants to be a champion. What the fuck? Yeah, he's already been the champion. This poor guy can't... Yeah, yeah, for, like, negative days or something, but still... Um, I still don't understand. So there's like the 45-minute chin lock rest hold in the middle of this match, and I don't understand why Nick Patrick doesn't break it up because Z-Man's leg is so far under the rope that his foot is on the hanging off the fucking apron. Um, and so during this long period of time, Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross continue to have their TED talk on ethics. Uh, and say, <laughs> they're not calling the match at all. Like they just they they continue to go because like it's uh it was something that comes up, but they keep going saying being aggressive while playing by the rules, even in little league football, uh, is okay. And so I don't know if someone in the network or somewhere edited like a section out of this match because it cuts from. Z-Man having stunning Steve Austin in this headlock or chin lock on the ground. It cuts to Lady Blossom and her horrible ass eyebrows for like a second and then cuts right back. And suddenly Steve Austin's in a head scissors from the Z-Man. I bet she was like, like, I don't know what happened. They cut away from some footage of Chris Benoit accepting a Citizen of the Year award or something. <laughs> he's in the back. He's getting his Royal Augusta Lion's Den fucking Man of the Year award. But so it, it's just. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, it, it's just I don't know. It's just like uh, Jim Ross then goes that says that time as time progresses, the time limit will become an ally of the champion. I didn't know this one was under its time limit. Nobody did I miss did. it? <laughs> no, no. Like it's I didn't hear it either. Like <laughs> I don't get it. It's like okay. Okay. Is it television time remaining? Because at that point, other people are going to be pissed off. Maybe um, Capetta went to the like, can. You know. Because like, wouldn't he be saying five minutes remain? Five? Mi-? No, no, he's not even yeah. there. <clears throat> Talk about it. 
Tony Tony says it. He goes like the PA system, like they used to do basketball games. At least I guess they used to do it. Like what the fuck, Tony? Um, quit trying to be Tony the Body Ventura and just call the fucking match. But um, guys, I want to ask you a question. Do you remember the time that Steve Austin had to resort to using brass knuckles to beat Tom Zink? Because I do, and I gave it a full. <laughs> uh, I was a desperate man. <laughs> I didn't have all my marbles with me. I'm only slightly <laughs> higher to five because, like, I'm impressed that this guy's only been working two years, and he looks like he's a vet in a lot of ways. Uh, What'd you give it, Chase? A four. Four, okay. I'm just impressed that I, he really does look pretty natural. He's a natural. Absolutely. I mean, it's really incredible. Like, and I know... He needs he, better opponents. He, yeah. Uh, I... The, the only thing that really derails this man, well, I do think it, it does stay in rest holds a little too long. There are a few rest holds. I think that first sleeper wasn't supposed to knock Austin off of his feet. Yeah, like, maybe he that was. lapsed right after that. Yeah. Um, Zinx is getting a little snug. Yeah, he really did. Well, he applied it too well, Charlie. His left arm was in the right spot Wait, see, a little too <laughs> <laughs> It's to where the arm meets the, chi- the chin. Sleeper hold Shivani over here. Breaking down. What an expert. He's in the dungeon. And, and then, like, Austin does the stun gun, and yeah. then they're like, okay, he's got to make the cover. Why won't he cover him? Th- this is what bothers me in the match, is that, especially since he's the heel. Yeah. He nails the stun gun, and then it's almost like he, he forget. like, this were kind of the rookie thing, or not rookie, but, like, you know, not many years in the business thing kicks in where it's like, oh, crap, we still got to do that spot with the brass knucks. And it's like, well, what do I do? Well, I'll just... Pick him up and do some business to get over to where Lady Blossom is. Yeah, that's where it just it the match just kind of falls apart. It's it reminds me and a not it's not as bad as the Sting Johnny B bad thing, but it's the same sort of thing where it's like, oh, we we gotta stop the match kind of epilogue. Like quick. it would have been fine if he covered him and Zink kicked out because he right. he didn't cover him right away and it would have been a great babyface moment for Z Man. But Austin just went over and picked him up. I thought it made Zink look weak. Yeah, it's a weird... Like, I could have pinned you if I wanted. Yeah. But I'm, I'll cheat later <laughs> to win them for some reason. It's just cool, though, because it's like, yeah, you can see the promise. Like, And it's cool to see like how much he would change his move. His Even punch, his punch. He punched like Hogan. Yeah. I was. I don't remember that. It's so cool to see him starting off here. But yeah, I, I'm going to stick with a five on it. Like, I think he's... He's a good TV champion. I think he'll be a really good TV champion in terms of working these types of matches. Hopefully, like you said, against better opponents. All right, so now we get some more Ron Simmons stuff. We're going to see Ron Simmons talking to kids in Atlanta, the boys club, and we get to hear some of his words. By trying, that makes me a winner. If I fail, I'm still a winner because I tried. That's not true. Goes on further to talk about not being afraid. Yeah, these. This is kind of like trophy for trying, kind of. Yes. Words. As long as you try, it's fun. Which there's a lot of merit to that. And but here's the thing: like every babyface kind of says this. Right. Like Hulk Hogan is the king of these oh, kinds of yeah. speeches. Ron Simmons just <laughs> like there's nothing really behind what he's saying. Granted, I think it's great. Yeah. That he that he did this. Yeah. And, but it reeks of. Pre ninety three Lex Express. Yeah, 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 yeah. This really feels like the prototype for what became the Lex Express. I mean, he puts him on a bus. Yeah, right, right yeah, after he does, he takes him down to see him take Russell Lex Luger. Right to see him <laughs> Russell Lex Luger. So that's my thing. 
So did he do that whole speech about trying and failing and then takes him to watch him wrestle Lex Luger? Did he lose to Lex? Is he just like kind of letting him know I'm going to lose? I bet some shenanigans in that house match or whatever. Yeah. So this is all kind of killing time as they set up. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of people in this segment. They set up two tables, murals of both wrestlers to hang over their respective tables. And we have Ron Simmons. Um, oh, boy. We have Ron Simmons with... Uh, uh, he's at the his table. Wife. He's at his wife and Dusty. Yes. Luger takes his time, but eventually comes out. Uh, we go to Bischoff, who introduces the... Oh, he actually introduces Simmons after that. I'm sorry. Yeah, Luger just takes his time coming out. He introduces Ron Simmons there. Like we said, his wife, Dusty, sitting there. Uh, Rob Garner, for what it's worth, who we bring his name up, why well, I don't know, but he brings the contract over to Simmons to sign. Uh, Luger signs, and then he wants to talk a little bit. And man, this is stellar. This is good. Because you really know, good. whenever a heel was putting over a face, there's going to be the butt moment, or there's going to be the moment. Like, but he spends a good amount of time. This is amazing because 98% of it is putting Ron Simmons yes. over. Yes. And then he only puts him under at the very end. He says, You could be my, my driver. You could be my driver. And then Sim, I have never seen a wrestler clear obstacles as quickly as Ron. Simmons is over that table into Lex Luger within a half a second. It doesn't take anything. He, I mean, he hits his mark like but, nobody else. But this is when I know, like, I, start, I couldn't help but think of Ranger Ross. Because that he... I, I keep huh? waiting... But because I keep... They were trying to push him as a role model for children of, of all types. You know, and they're kind of doing that with Ron Simmons. And I was... I was waiting for Jim Ross to say something along those lines because they are shooting Ron Simmons to the moon. And Lex Luger does point out that if Ron were to beat him, he would be the first black world champion. So yeah. I'm the whole time I'm just kind of waiting for Jim Ross to go, yep, he's a hero for kid of, kids of all races. <laughs> I kept waiting for a stupid, backhanded racist comment like that. <laughs> Luckily, though, it never came. Right. But it, I couldn't help but think of Ranger Ross and how poorly handled that was. But I think Ron Simmons is a much better person to have this type of role than he is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here's the other thing, too. <coughs> oh, boy. <coughs> Damn it. Sorry, I swallowed some of my own okay. spit. Um, these contract signings, the one thing that's always fascinating to me about these is when they decide... They haven't read it until they sit down. And why are they always longer than two sentences? You agree to fight this champion for the title... You're going to fight on this date at this event. That's really all it should say. And it's just, oh, no, let me read this. And Where's just, the rematch clause? Where's the rematch Like, how long is are these contracts to where it takes these guys a long time to read them while they're sitting there? And You'd probably want a lawyer there, too. Yeah, you don't want Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> let me look at it, baby. Like, he's an authority. God, he's weird. Jason, do you have anything to add about the contract signing? Yeah, man, I love the delay that Lex has. Sorry, if you're a heel champion, like, you know, that's your being a swagger, just showing up. When, and I don't mean swagger. I mean, that your swagger. Just right. showing up. But I like to think that, that Lex's music was, like, kicking in, and Lex is ready to go, and Harley Race put his hand on his shoulder. And he said, like, think, I'd like to thank you. He said, Harley Race, tell, or, sorry, this is, Harley Race wants to tell you something, Lex. You're probably thinking, what would Harley Race do? Harley Race would wait for the bass to drop. Then Harley Race would walk out. 
that's what Harley Race would do. I totally butchered that, but I don't care. But the Harley, what would Harley Race do? And I love it when, like we were talking about earlier, Harley Race picks it up and reviews the freaking contract. Like, oh, I need to amend this. Like, I was just waiting on him to pull out like a little red pen. And you never see that. That's the, why can't a heel? I've never seen them. Why doesn't a heel pull out something and start making changes? To the fucking contract right there. Yeah, that yeah. would be the greatest thing ever. I didn't agree. And no this. one. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you know, I didn't sign it yet, and uh, cool. Like it's just oh, it's so. But yes, this is like to me, this is the best Lex Luger promo ever. Because it's really I mean, good. It, yeah. Because I was like, what's he gonna it, say it, that's it, gonna it, send him so, over the edge? Yeah. You know. Yeah. I need a driver. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's just over. Because it's like, look at you. I mean, like, you, he's right, though. We have St. Ron Simmons. I mean, from these video packages that they've just shown us. Yeah. You know, like, and and then Lex is just talks him up and says, I need a driver. God. It's. It's the way he slides uh, so, it into. And he doesn't really oversell that line. He just kind of says it matter of factly, it, which is the best kind of heel that I wouldn't even think that was offensive. Because there's been all this stuff over the years. They talk about Luger backstage during this time period when he was a face. Like, he was just really, like, this asshole. And it's like, man, you guys missed the boat. They you really did. I think he could have been at the, mean, the top heel. I mean, granted, it's it's hard to say he was a failure as a face because the crowd loved him. They loved him. him. He's really good. Like, I, I know Pillman's my MVP, but Luger's... He, just like he was in the uh, Russo season. It's like, wow, look at Luger. This is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so now let's get to our main event here, which is for oh. the vacant WCW World Tag Team Championship, our tournament finals. We get some footage of both teams. They show What did they show Bill Kazmaier doing? And it looks awkward. Isn't it something simple like a body slam? Or something. It looks like a Death Valley driver. Yeah. Okay, no, no, no. He does a power slam from a Death Valley driver position. Okay. Okay. You know, it's a lot of work. Just you might as well slam. just do a gorilla press right. power slam like uh, Goldberg used to do. Right. But the one note I'll have, I'll have on this: thank God, Arn Anderson and Zabisco beat the Pistols. Yeah. Okay. Oh man, I did not want to see this. <laughs> I really didn't. I don't mind this tag team of Anderson Zabisco because okay. it is basically like your B-level version of the Brainbusters. Mm-hmm. It's not that different, like the way they're trying to play it off. But here we go. I, how about this? Rick Steiner never color coordinated with his brother, but he color coordinates like a champ with Bill Kazmaier in the black tights. <laughs> All right, way to go. I'm trying to, um, and I, I was curious: are the the guys that are accompanying? Anderson and Zabisco, are they ninjas? Or are they secure? Because they all have, like, like kendo sticks. I don't know. So I'm like... They look like a riot squad. Are they? Because, like, I felt like a riot squad would have, like, a little bit more gear than a kendo stick. Like, you know what I mean? That's why I wrote, what do we got here? What did we pay for? Are these the same guys who came out with the globe earlier? That's what I want to know. All right, guys. Time to get change for your next segment. You want to earn your 50 bucks? <laughs> All right, we've only got about seven minutes left. I saw on the clock before this thing started. I was very I was like, happy oh with that. crap! Here we go. Jr. says the crowd would have loved to have seen Scott out there tonight. Well, dumbass, if he would have been out there, there would have been no fucking tournament. So fuck off. All right, sorry. <laughs> Bill Kazmaier. <laughs> so Rick works this match by himself for the most part. 
hold doing a lot of the and he does good stuff. He, I mean, he does that awesome star where he catches somebody and does that that, that that amateur slam. It's really good. But then BK, BK, <laughs> BK. Oh, oh BK here can't stay out. He's like, you know what? I want to get my. I want to get in here. Go like, first move, body slam. Like, dude, like, fuck you a idiot. doofus. <laughs> and so what happens? He wants to go for the body slam. Anderson just wallops him in the ribs. Thank God. And Anderson's a bit The wrong ribs. Oh, that's right. Good call. Good call. No what consistency. Happened? Yeah. What? Anderson Zabisco pick up the win. It's a very like anticlimactic yet very predictable finish to this match. He kind of knew how this one was going to end up because the other thing we haven't mentioned throughout the night in multiple of the matches we covered, they have an update on his ribs, <laughs> saying that oh Kazmaier's going to have to wrap him up and come out here. And the thing is, he doesn't like he sells it on the way down there that like oh. But, like, when he's standing on the apron, he's just sort of like, all right, I'm standing here. He does a body slam. He does a gorilla press. I'm like, you idiot. Like, yeah. I... You deserve this. Yeah, finish. you deserve you this. You deserve this, BK. BK. Um, you guys want to do the promo now or do the promo after we each talk about the match? Do you care? After. Okay. After. Okay. What do you rate it? I give it a three. It's not very okay. good. It's... I mean, I'm... I don't mind these guys being the tag champions. It's just kind of a... Well... It's not a great match you get there. Jason, what'd you think of it? Uh, Arn Anderson made Rick Steiner look like a fucking superstar. I will say that, yeah. the way that he's selling for him. This go it's okay, but Arn just makes, I mean, it just makes like Rick should be solo going after the U.S. title if it wasn't in, you know, on Steen kind of level. Um, all this buildup, and it is a wet fart of the finish because they hit him in the wrong side of the ribs. Uh, Kazmaier goes in, does like a shoulder block, takedown on somebody with this with this right side which is the side they hit doesn't flinch they're talking about oh he's in pain he's in great pain while he's got Larry Zabisco like up in the air above his head um kind of thing just just makes it look like crap I get the dude's not a wrestler he's just a strong man but you know uh it it, it does suck uh I gave this a two <laughs> yeah, fuck you I know it's I'm completely 100% with you uh, Charlie, what did you think of it? Um, <clears throat> the one change that I thought was weird was when Kazmaier was coming to the ring and Capet announced him as the world's strongest human being. I guess they had to. I guess they figured they better throw women under the bus too. And it's just like, no, 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 no. Like, there's no question. This guy is the strongest. Like, world's strongest human being just doesn't have the right ring to it. Uh, Arn Anderson selling for for Steiner is great. That Steiner line, I mean, I pop for that. That was really cool. Um, the fact that this is the main event, like, I don't really know why this went on last. Like, like, like this really could have come at any point. Um, I would have liked the contract thing to be last. Yeah, that should have been last. Well, I'll tell you what. That that's that's a within the last ten years type of thing in pro wrestling. Yeah. Where the oh the contract signing would be last. Contract signing should have been last. Um, or and and maybe tie that in with, uh, honestly, like Ron Simmons' match with Diamond Stud could have been a lot longer and could have headlined this paper or the, this. There you go. Sorry, this there flash. You go. It just doesn't make a lot of sense uh, to put this this on last. And the the match it's the match isn't really that good. I mean, mainly because it's just too fast. But I do like the odd pairing of Arnie Anderson and Larry Zabisco. I mean, it's the enforcers. It it is like two enforcer type dudes. Um, it's. It does what it needs to do. I gave it a three. Yeah. 
it's just it's just anticlimactic to get to where we inevitably need to get is with the heels with the tag belts and everything so let's have this let's do this real quick this promo because <laughs> i swear arn anderson must think really hard about his promos like you know what i want to do like, like, think about last time with... Re right, he didn't connect it right on this one either. No, no, he goes... First, let's start. He, it's a it's a theory of navigation. Oh, here we theory go. The navigator. You have my attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always. A big sailboat won't go anywhere without wind. And then Zabisco chimes that's in. That's it. Yeah, there's like... <laughs> it's... And it, it comes back to what you, I forget if you were saying or Jason was saying, it was like, we're smarter, we're the smart, the thinking man's tag team. We're not mm -hmm. big dudes, we're thinking man, uh, the thinking man tag team or whatever. It's hilarious just how intense Arn Anderson is, and yet, like, it's like he gets locked into something. He's like, I really want to talk about this tonight. <laughs> how can I bring it in? How can I do it? And you know how inevitably he does? He just comes right out and says it. And then tries to segue it into his, uh, what's important about the match that he's in or whatever. So, Jason, do you have anything you want to add to the, about the, the promo? Yeah, I like during the match, Jim Ross says, if we have any time, hopefully we'll be able to talk to the new tag team champions. But from that camera angle, it looks like 9% of the crowd in attendance didn't have time because they're gone. There's like the row of people right there on the fucking, like, for the interview. And there's like a dude. Up in the rafters by himself. It's Sting. Probably just go, one day this will be a thing. But <laughs> it's bad. I, I think uh, Arn Anderson needs to understand that navigation is not a theory. It's actually quite proven. It's been around <laughs> for several hundred years. Navigation <laughs> you know, is a mystery. No. Oh, no. I love it. It's just... You know, and his thing, it, I like what he's trying to say. You know, like a, a giant sailboat can't move without wind, and they hit him in the ribs, and that took the air out of him, whatever. But I kind of get it. It's, it's, Larry Sabisco just punctuates, yeah, what he said. Because <laughs> he repeats, he just repeats it in a different way. Oh, that's it. You got anything you want to add to it, bud? Uh, it, like I said, it's a worse version of the, of the promo that he did the month before. Because this one, it's like it's A to B promo. He like A is like the thing that he needs to tie into B. Mm -hmm. He does the A part and then he just stops. He doesn't like. He doesn't really like. I'm like, yeah, Larry, what do you think? <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, wait a minute, tell me more about this sailboat, <laughs> cabin boy. You know, and he doesn't do it. So I'm like, all right, it's just, this is why <laughs> Flair was good. And, and Zabisco come in, and Zabisco has this voice that I've always tried to impersonate, and I just can never get. Oh, Tommy! He just sounds weird, and he basically says a more condensed, <laughs> making sense version of what Arn Anderson said. Oh, we're the champs! And then he walks off, and it's done. Um, yeah, it's it kind of shit the bed with it, but I'm I'm glad they won. Yeah. Oh man! Wow. What a show! Yeah, what a it, show. I, it, it. I was telling you yesterday, like the, these matches may not be great, but if I was a kid, like and it was like this came on, and I hadn't been watching WCW, I'd this would be really entertaining. Well, it's it's like I was telling you, for whatever reason, when I was hanging out with my dad uh, on Monday, he turned on Monday Night Raw, 
I think he did it just to see what I do, and it was awful. Like uh, watching that first hour, I hated it. But when I put this clash on, I was like, oh, oh man, yeah. this is fun. Like this is good stuff. They have a pretty good sense of TV. Like uh, I'll give them yes. that. Like it. <clears throat> yeah. Miss all right, the old so days. are we doing ratings here? You got them? Yeah, I've got them all. Okay. I got them all. Uh, you and me have it rated at the exact same, at a 3.78. Jason, with his seven for that one match, uh, <laughs> completely obliterates this and, get, and makes it to a 4.3. Uh, we gave this show a 3.95. Cage match is at a five. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. There are a couple whole... I, I was reading some of the... There's only two of these... Uh, this guy gave it a six. Like, acceptable edition of the event. Graham versus Norton is a good match. And Flying Brian is another great performance with Bad Street. Steve Austin versus Z-Man is not a good match. <laughs> <laughs> so you should be reading this in Austin's voice. I don't like too much the Battle Royale. I don't really like too standard. much the Battle Royale. <laughs> I'm a little surprised by the squash match with Ron Simmons and Scott Hall. End of comments. <laughs> Non-factor. Um, so, um, wow. <laughs> Decent clash. Decent. It class. really is. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's gonna be a hell of a lot better than the crown jewel. I I don't know if it happens. If it happens, I don't know. But I I'll tell you what I'm in. I I am in for though is all of a sudden that Titan Tron pop. That Titan Tron pops up at Crown Jewel, and it's the Hulk Hogan sex tape. And Hulk Hogan ringoos his way through the Titan Tron to the ring, and he slaps Saudi Arabia in the face with his 24 inch python. And it goes gives off. him a double leg drop. And it goes with. Sorry. Uh, dick that. jokes. Dick jokes. I was just thinking about what you gonna All right. do? <laughs> All right. So there we go, folks. That was Clash of the Champion 16. We'll be coming back with Halloween Havoc 1991. That's the next show with the infamous Chamber of Horrors yes. match. I can't wait. Oh, that's this? Ta- yes. Oh, yes. already. It's going to be fantastic. 10 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Jason, you got anything to plug or talk about real quick to close the show? Uh, no. No, I don't have anything to plug here. Cool. Charlie, you got anything, man? Uh, other than uh, the next episode of Real Change, we're going to be looking at speed. So that'll be fun. That'll be good. And, uh, yeah, that's about it on this front. So we'll catch you guys next time. Please continue to follow us on Twitter, at New Blood Pod. We're on Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast. I'm at William Rankin 83 I'm at the Jason Kiesler. And I'm at CM underscore Stabs. We'll see you guys again for Halloween Havoc 91.